Everyone knows a lot of things can change in the span of 10 years. When it comes to professional wrestling podcasting, one thing is still guaranteed. The Shining Wizards is the only place to get all the latest wrestling news, interviews with the greatest guests, and of course, tons of laughs in discussing the world of wrestling. The show is still available on Monday nights at 7 p.m. East on RantDMRadio.com and Rant Entertainment Media on the TuneIn app. And it's still available on all podcasting platforms. To check us out, head over to ShiningWizards.com, where it's still wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. Are you tired of prediction shows? Do you want to fantasy book the companies? Does Bigfoot even really exist? If you answered yes to any of those questions, then check out the podcast that isn't a podcast. Every Tuesday and Thursday, the standing streamer stands and delivers as he and Vanessa talk about all that's going on in pro wrestling today. Plus, see in-depth conversations with people in and around the wrestling world as guests share their stories and insights about making it in the business. The Putting You Over Podcast. Putting your weeknights over every Tuesday and Thursday. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and good night. My name is Thomas and what's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah. yeah the that. mother, same mother and father. Your room was... Oh, we shared a room. Shared a room. For we right? shared a room. I thought I knew your face. Yeah, we so go maybe. way back, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The Broadcast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do we do? Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books. We're talking professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also, check us out on Twitter at the Broadcast. That's B R O. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Ending. Yeah, it's alright, good on you. Yeah. Instagram also at the Broadcast Podcast. Remember, we don't spell it with a C, we spell it with a K. Slow, mate. Take it easy. Two Heels and a Face Wrestling Podcast believes wrestling is a buffet. There's something there for everyone. These guys cover local Chicago indie scene, and all of their episodes can be found at twoheelsandaface.com. The number two, heelsandaface.com. Hey everyone, my name is referee Tony S, and this is Heat, the wrestling podcast. Like you first and foremost, I'm a wrestling fan, and for nearly two decades I've maintained law and order inside the squared circle in New England and throughout the country, working with some of the best and brightest from wrestling's past, present, and future. Now, I bring my authoritative tell-it-like-it-is style to the podcast world. Join me each week as we go through all the major headlines from the global companies, independents, and in-between. And most importantly, the women will receive the coverage and headlines they truly deserve as they'll empower the second half of the show. Plus, I'll introduce you to my friends and colleagues within all forms of wrestling and entertainment, answer your questions, anything goes, no holds, well, questions barred, and throw in some fun surprises along the way. Get ready for the spark that fuels the flame. Listen on Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, everybody. Mike Freeland here with Christopher Butt. Another episode of the Front Row Material brand. Remember, you can get the Front Row Material brand anywhere fine podcasts are made available. That is Stitcher, iTunes, FM, Player, and everywhere in between. 
Our podcast is absolutely free. If you happen to know a fan of wrestling or somebody who'd like just to listen to some playful banter amongst friends, go ahead and shoot them the link. Again, we can be found anywhere. You can also find us both on social media. We'll be giving our Twitter handles later on in the show. Uh, Coming up on this week's show, we're going to be talking about, of course, AEW Collision. What happened? I'm sure some of you have seen it. Some of you might not have seen it. We're going to give you the rundown on that one. We got some news on Impact Wrestling. A recent uh, diagnosis uh, just came through about an Impact Wrestling star with skin cancer. We're going to talk about a big re-signing in Impact Wrestling as well. And we're going to talk about Slammiversary. We're also going to be talking about what's going to be happening with Money in the Bank, the big WWE pay-per-view that will be coming up. And I'm sure we will go here, there, and everywhere along the way as well. But before we go ahead and do that, let me go ahead and let me bring him in. He is my brother from another mother from the north. He's Mr. Butt, Christopher Butt. What's going on, brother? This is it, Mike. Another another Tuesday with you. Weather's been beautiful. It's like 90 degrees here today. Wow. Um, I'm enjoying my new air conditioner, that's for sure. Nice. And things are good. A week and a half away from my next market, next event. Loving life. Are Are you ready for the next big show? No. You always say this like a week or so out and usually like... By the time you get ready for it, you're like, yeah, now I'm ready. So oh. it, a lot of work still left to be done. Yeah, right now Linda's sitting at the dinner table painting while wow. I talk to you. Uh, I've got uh, about 80 or 100 toys to finish. Good times. I uh, will be ready. We always do. Sleep might get a bit short, but that's all right. Hey, I tell you what, Santa's got to get the job done, right? He does. And if he doesn't, he's, he's going to outsource it to you. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> well, you know. We're not that far apart, I guess. This is true. We're, we're both fat with big beards, so. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but uh, but so we clarified last week. There's there's no polar bears walking around Canada right now, and in nor would they ever be, even if it was cold. Correct? Not in Toronto. There's polar bears in Canada. Just not where you're at. Hundred percent. There's polar bears in Canada. No, where you're you at. North for them. Oh no, not where I'm at. Yeah, you're not country. gonna have one cross your front yard. I hope not. That'd be bad. <laughs> Global warming would really be after taking over if that happens. No, we're we're Ain't good where I'm from. Good. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and and before we get to to some other things here, let's kind of talk about uh the big news with uh Impact Wrestling star who was diagnosed with skin cancer. Ryan Clark's writing in at this hour, ECW legend, Tommy Dreamer, on the latest episode of Busted Open Radio podcast. He stated that he has been once again diagnosed with skin cancer. This is his third time he's been battling it. He would go on to say on the episode, I know you're all looking at this and saying, why the hell he's so shiny on his head? Were you going to town? Were you in a barbed wire match? No. Guess what, ladies and gentlemen? I have skin cancer again. That's right. Being a Guido all these years has finally caught up to me. This is the third time I've had skin cancer. Of course, it's on my head. And I'm not a pretty boy. I'm hardcore. It's scary when they tell you you have cancer. It's the best form of cancer if you have to get it removed. Now, Tommy Dreamer would also go on to say, for this, they're able to cut it out. It's called mole surgery. I had it once before. Uh, I had it on my chest. I've also had it on my head now. There was a bigger one at that time. They're looking for about 42 stitches. And uh, I had 23 outside and 19 inside. So they do a fair amount of cutting on me. Tommy would go on to make some other comments. But again, this is the third time he has uh, been battling skin cancer. 
And that's a that's a tough thing. That's a very tough thing, especially after you've had cancer once to have it a third time. He says, this is the third time I've had it. And uh, it's it's scary when you hear that it has come back. So um, your your take on this, I'm not sure if you had gotten some of the news about this yet. I read that maybe a half hour ago. Um, cancer sucks. Well, let's get that out of the way right off the hop. That's it's a nasty, nasty disease. You don't ever want to see somebody go through it. That's that's what took my father. Uh, it's just bad news bears, plain and simple. Uh, the fact that Tommy caught it, that's a beautiful thing. Uh, the third time, that's got to be tough. Uh, I don't know if you ever met Tommy Dreamer or not, Mike. Uh, I've met him a bunch of times up here. He's good buddies with uh, Jan Murphy, the nice. local promoter here. Right. And whenever Tommy's up here, and he always does the signings, the meet and greets and whatnot. He's about as nice of a man as you'll ever meet. Wow. Uh, when they did the Legends convention um, five years ago, I guess it was now. Okay. Uh, Tommy was one of the one of the talent there, and there was a gentleman in a in a wheelchair. He was he was in line. Him and his uh, caretaker, I guess you want to say. And Tommy came from his booth. He was right next to a uh, Billy Gunn, and the person was in line to see Hornswoggle, and he came out of his booth. And he walked over, and he, he took this person in the wheelchair to the front of the line. Told that person that they don't wait in line for anybody. If they want to meet any of the talent, they just go straight to the front of the line. But Tommy's just a good man. He's just, he does a lot of charity work. I know whenever he's done a show up here with Chinlock, uh, he, and House Hardcore is in there with him as well. Obviously, Tommy's an organization. It's always for a uh, charity. So, I mean, he's just a solid guy. I've met him. I'd imagine six or seven times, I think, now. And he's coming up soon because we're having a Legends convention uh, about an hour west of here. And Tommy is the first person to get announced. Once again, Chinlock's putting it off, so Tommy's going to be there, of course. Uh, just a good guy. Random tidbit. You know who used to work in a pizza shop? Did not know that. Back in the day. So uh, Jan Murphy used to own a pizza shop. And the last time Tommy was up for an event... Tommy was making pizzas, and then he went out delivering them after. thought that was kind of neat. Wow. I ordered pizza that night. He didn't show up. How Maybe cool is that? That would have been fantastic. I would have marked out for that. Yes. But, no, it, it, it's good that Tommy, they, they caught it, and, and hope he's on, on the right side. He's had a rough road the last little bit. His mother passed away, and apparently him and his mom were very tight. And, of course, getting sick with cancer, I mean... That's got to scare the crap out of you. I don't care who yeah. you are. No, <laughs> I agree. Too. Right? And sounds like he's, he's doing better, and that's what we want for him, and that's what you want for everybody, is to do better physically, mentally, just in life in general, and good for him. I'm happy. Did did you ever hear, in since we're on the topic of Tommy Dreamer, and I had not known about this, and I just recently found about this, did you hear about his plan, uh, what he was planning on doing with Paul Heyman at one point? He was going to shoot him. Yeah, so I decided to do a little bit of research here, and in some of you guys listening to the show, you may have already been familiar with the story, but for those of you, much like myself, who just missed it, uh, Sports Kita wrote a great article. It says, one of the most bizarre stories in WWE history came to light in 2019 during an episode of Tommy Dreamer's House of Hardcore podcast. The former WWE star recalled that he once became so frustrated with Paul Heyman that he constructed a plan to kill his former ECW boss. In 2001, Dreamer suffered from depression when ECW went out of business. 
Now, the wrestling legend previously rejected a $750,000 a year offer to WCW. Evidently, Heyman pleaded with him to stay loyal to ECW. And at the time, he felt like Heyman screwed him over, knowing that ECW eventually would go out of business. Heyman then joined up with WWE and Vince McMahon when ECW officially closed their doors. He would go on, uh, Dreamer was supposed to appear at WrestleMania 17, but plans changed at the last minute. That also left him very angered and frustrated. The former ECW World Heavyweight Champion wanted to shoot Paul Heyman live on television before killing himself. Uh, this is what was said in a quote. At WrestleMania, I was going to hop the rail, and I was going to whack Paul E. in the back of the head right at the announce table. Then I was going to whack myself, Dreamer said, the ultimate martyr. I was going to hit my pose, crack, boom, pull the trigger because I was that insane. Don't know if I would have went through with it, but that's what I was thinking about every single day. Um, in Dreamer's mind, fans would have viewed his moment as a storyline, uh, but unfortunately it was very, very serious. He would also go on to say, I was like, man, this will go down in history. I'll hit my pose, pop, boom. First, they think it was an angle until I shot him. And then I was so severely depressed and so mental with age rage, I knew I needed help. Dreamer was initially due to make a cameo appearance in the TLC match between the Dudleys, Edge, and Christian in the Hardys. However, additional roles went to Lita, Rhino, and Spike Dudley and said. Evidently, higher WWE ups planned to use Dreamer to participate in the Hardcore Championship match, but that also ended up getting Shortly after the event, Jim Ross called and left uh, Tommy a voicemail. Ross at the time was a talent relations executive, and he reassured Tommy that WWE still wanted uh, him despite the confusion surrounding what was happening at WrestleMania. So, I mean, there's a lot more quotes here, but first of all, you have to be pretty down to think about doing something like that. And second of all, how are you feeling if you're Paul Heyman like that this thought potentially went through Tommy's mind. I mean, do you think ultimately Tommy would have done it if, if given the opportunity? I mean, Jesus, I hope not. I mean, you would hope um, cooler heads would prevail. Heyman did Tommy and a lot of the other guys pretty dirty. Like, you know, he was basically already with WWE when he was still half-ass running ECW. He was secure. I, I didn't know that Tommy was offered a contract with WCW. That I never knew. I mean, 750 k that's a lot of money, Mike. It's a lot of money, yeah. And he talked him out of taking that. I, mean, I don't know what Tommy was making in ECW. I think he was making a half-decent dollar. I would hope so, anyhow, for what he put himself through. Mm-hmm. But the fact that Paulie talked him out of it to stay to stay loyal to the brand, and then they go bottom up, and Heyman's in WWE with the job, and Tommy wasn't. That makes it a little bit crazy. Uh, I mean, I don't know if I'm gonna shoot a man over it, but yeah. I don't know because Tommy, everything you read, he lived for ECW. Like, that did. was life. That was everything to him. And then when you get crossed up like that, you're gonna be bitter. You're gonna be angry. I think anybody would be. I don't really care who you were. The Pope would be pissed off if you got crossed like that. Uh, man, the thought of shooting him and then shooting himself, though, that's pretty, uh, that's intense. That's, I doubt he would have went through with it. I'm sure that was a, a fleeting thought, I hope. It was just a fleeting cross his mind. I mean, I guess if you're going to go out, 
in the wrestling world, that's that'd be one way to go. But you'd be you're gonna be talked about forever in a day. But you, that's you just don't want that. And, no. and the fact that he was in that bad of a of a, a place, that's a bigger concern there. I mean, it is. You know, it absolutely that's, is. So that's a mental health issue, big time. Yeah. I'm not saying Tommy Dreamer suffers from mental health. I do not mean it that way. So don't get anybody send us a message saying that I was cutting him up far from it. But at that point in his life, he says it himself. I'm not being a rumor boy here. He said it himself he was going through some stuff, depression, and, and thankful he got through that and he didn't go through with it. But, yeah, people would have thought it was an angle temporarily. Guaranteed people would have thought it was an angle. Think about it. So you're sitting down, Mike, you're watching Monday Night Raw, hanging out with Megs, drinking your water. Life's good. Tommy Dreamer jumps over the guardrail, does his big pose, caps Heyman, caps himself. You're going to be like, whoa, where are they going with this angle? And then it's going to dawn on you for a second. And then it's gonna, you're going to realize what's going on. And I can't imagine if that like, actually that would just have happened. Be, I don't know, man. That, I'm glad it didn't happen. Let's just leave it at that. I'm glad it didn't happen because that – I don't know. That's banana lines right there. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, continuing with the news with Impact, Moose is actually signing a brand new deal with Impact Wrestling. Andrew Ravens is reporting today. Moose will be striking a brand new contract with Impact Wrestling very soon. He joined the promotion in 2016. He instantly became a world champion. He's now a two-time world champion, holding the TNA and the Impact World Championship. Moose took to Twitter to announce the new deal, and this is what he wrote. Leaving Impact Wrestling was a very hard decision to make since I made my debut in 2016. I've accomplished so much in my seven years. Truth is, there's so many matches that I would like to have, so many matchups. But then I realized, unlike MMA... I have to get the best wrestlers in the world to wrestle me. And there's different organizations that I need to go to. But I think my body of work speaks for itself. I believe my peers in the other companies and organizations respect my work as well. Right now, when you hear Impact Wrestling, you think of AJ Styles and Kurt Angle and other top names come to mind. At the end of the day, I would like for my name to be on that list as well. So with that goal in mind, I still have some unfinished business to do in Impact. Uh, not only did I sign back with Impact Wrestling, but I also signed the longest deal anyone has ever signed in company history. A whole lot of work still has to be done, so let's go. P.S. I still got annoying Tommy Dreamer and Scott Demore. Um, obviously, he says that in in all kiddingness and love because big, big supporter of both of those guys. But Moose, uh, obviously staying with Impact Wrestling. Moose is a guy who I remember seeing him debut, just a big dude. And he was a lot thicker, um, not fat, just really thick and almost kind of like the build of, of kind of like the way the Walter was um, before he kind of really got shredded. And Moose got super, super shredded, uh, and he still is to this day. But, you know, you just kind of wonder, you know, why why no one else looked at Moose? Um, AEW has an inflated roster, so they shouldn't add anybody. But WWE, do, do you think it's a situation of we talked about this with Wild uh, Wildcat Chris Harris? You know what? I'm making some good money. I'm big fish. It is a small pond. 
but I really got a good thing going here. Or do I risk going somewhere else, maybe not making as much money, but maybe getting lost in the shuffle and then getting released and then really feeling sour about the business? Um, I feel like some people are better off staying where they're at instead of trying to get into a WWE. Does that make sense? It's perfect sense. I mean, Moose is a big man. Would he be a big man in WWE? Really? He, he's not going to stand out as, as a giant, as a, just a beast. There, he's going to be well, about average size. As crazy as that sounds, and that's one of his big gimmicks is he's a big, huge man. Yes. Right? So when that's your big gimmick, and don't get me wrong, he's a big, huge man. There's just there's a lot of bigger, massive giants in WWE, right? Not to the extent of what it used to be back in like the eighties, where everybody was six and a half foot tall and and three hundred pounds, but there's still a lot of very big dudes there. He, I think he would have got lost in, in the shuffle. Um, he was a bit older when he started wrestling, was he not? That he wasn't. He was. uh, he wasn't a young man. He's played he the NFL like as well. Yeah, so I think that's probably, you know, when you're a little bit older, when you get started, you know, your your progression is different at that point. He's a great athlete. Obviously, I mean, if you played in the NFL, you're a damn good athlete, regardless of what position you play. You're elite. Um, but I, I think he made the right call. How many people do you really think were calling heavy? On Moose, like I think WWE maybe have kicked the tires. I I don't think AEW would have. And really, outside of that, unless you're planning on going to Japan or hitting the indie circuit, you know, I don't really see where you're probably going to sign a big paycheck from any. Like you're not going to get a big paycheck with the NWA. It's just not realistic. Do I think you're going to get a big, big paycheck with MLW? Probably not. I'm just being realistic. And it seems like WWE has this culture of, well, this is the way we see a star, right? Like they did that with Taya Valkyrie. Taya Valkyrie was a big deal in Impact Wrestling TNA. She's a big deal in um, Lucha Underground and then AAA in CMLL. And then obviously she got her opportunity. She's like, yeah, I want to go over to WWE. And then they changed her name to Frankie Monet, and they really didn't do anything with her. And it was just kind of like, you almost wonder if some of these stars who come from Impact Wrestling say, oh yeah, I saw what happened when you went there. Maybe I should not try to go there. W- would you agree with that, or do you think that's an on an individual basis? That's got something to do with it, because there's been a lot of talent come from different organizations. like Talent that were really, really over. And then they go to WWE, and not so much. But that also works the other way, too. There's been talent go from WWE to AEW and knocked it over. And you want to talk back in the day, there was talent that went from WWE to WCW, didn't get over. So this is not a, a bash WWE thing. It's just every organization has their, their own ideology. And everybody doesn't jive and match what what they want, whether it be 
from a physical standpoint or how they are on the mic or their in-ring or whatever it would be, and it doesn't quite jive sometimes. But, yeah, you, you definitely think about because where does everybody want to go? Where, where's the top of the mountain? Well, WWE, WWE, WrestleMania, the whole thing. Right? Yeah. That, that's where everybody wants to go Absolutely. at some point. Now, you know, if you see five of your friends go there, not much really comes of it, you know, because the it's a small world. The indie wrestling world, once you're getting to that point, it's a small community. They all know each other. They've all been at events here or there. So everybody knows one another. Or they, they're friends with somebody who's friends with you type of thing. So when you're, when you're going somewhere and you see your friends going there and it's not quite panning out and you're cut from the same cloth as them or the same type of wrestler or, you know, whatever would be same kind of personality that doesn't work out, you just think, okay, do I go for the, the prestige of saying, hey, I made it to the WWE or do I stay at Impact, AEW, MLW, NWA, whatever, I'm making a good living. You know, I'm happy. I can still do the indie stuff. I can still do autograph sessions and whatnot. I have a little more control. And you go that route. It's all dependent because it's not like your only choice is WWE. Realistically, a couple of years ago, your only option was WWE. In North America, Impact was pretty much dead at that point. It was on life support for quite a while. There weren't a lot of people going there. It wasn't good. MLW and NWA, they're they're doing okay, but they're both fairly new. NWA has been around forever, but this run of the NWA, we'll say, hasn't been around a real long time. So at one point, your real only option in North America was the Indies. Or WWE. You want to do a, a tour in Puerto Rico or Mexico, Japan, whatever, but you got to be somebody to get those chances. It's not like you can just show up at the doors in New Japan, but hey, can I wrestle tonight? Uh, it's not going to work well for you. Your answer is no. So at one point, that was the only choice we had, but it, it's changed. The whole landscape of it has changed with other options. None are to the the prestige of WWE. I know you probably don't like to hear that, but that's the facts. They are still at the top of the mountain. But you have other options to where you can go and make a solid living and still have other opportunities to branch out from it. You're not locked into a contract with one company. Like you would be with WWE. So a, a lot of it is are you chasing the money? Are you chasing the prestige? Are you just doing what you want to do because life is good and, and you're cool with bouncing around to three different towns a week, working for three different federations, and an autograph session here? If, if that's your cup of tea, you can make a good living on the indies if you're a big enough name. You can do very well for yourself. So it's not the end all and be all anymore. Very long winded answer. Sorry. 
No, no, it's a good answer, though. It's a it's a well thought out answer. Um, I do apologize if anybody's hearing on this uh, episode any static or whatnot. Uh, I am working on trying to get that corrected, so I do apologize for that. Um, something else that I think is interesting when we refer to Impact Wrestling. So Kylan King, who some of you guys may be familiar, she did a lot of stuff on AEW Dark, uh, AEW Dark Elevation, another woman who was very much um, uh, prominent on those programs was Vert Vixen as well. And I'm a huge fan of both women. And I think they're both incredibly talented. Do I wish they would have been signed to the um, AEW Women's Division? Yeah, I do. Um, I'm kind of bothered by the fact that it didn't happen. But um, there was an interview that was done with Kylan King. And some of you may or may not know Kylan King is one half of the tag team champions over in impact. And she was actually talking a little bit about advice in pro wrestling. And sometimes people talk about, man, this is the best advice I could have ever gotten. Well, she kind of tells a story about what was the worst advice she ever got in wrestling. She says, I think the worst piece of advice I'd ever gotten from somebody was very early on in my career. It's when I very first broke into wrestling. And I think I didn't have very much of a background in sports, in war martial arts, and I did that for almost six years, and then I tried to transition to wrestling. So I knew coming in that, yes, I'm six foot, I'm lanky, I am a strong girl, but I don't know really what else to do. So I have to be honest with myself. I can move, and there are some things that, yes, I can do, but I can't do everything. Um, she would go on to say, I was told that I needed to do a lot more of grappling, kind of understanding the way my body works. And I'm still continuing to try to learn that. But there was one person who told me, they said, the way we're teaching people, sometimes it works out for them and sometimes it doesn't. And I said, oh, so I need to learn this. And they're like, well, you need to learn a lot. You're actually too big. Uh, I had people coming up to me that wanted to learn more stuff, and I was very technically sound, and I felt like I was gifted, but I was told that I'm too big to be able to learn certain moves in pro wrestling, and even if I tried to learn it, I shouldn't even try to be using it. Um, she said that obviously that kind of gave her a bad taste in her mouth, so worst piece of advice, you're too big. You shouldn't be trying these moves, and even if you physically can pull them off, you should not be doing that. Uh, Kylan would go on in the interview to talk about how she's grown as a wrestler, how she feels like she's achieved a lot so far, but how she feels like there's still so much that is left for her to accomplish. But right now, she's very happy to be in Impact Wrestling and one half of the tag team champions um, with Taylor Wilde. And uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting because... In any profession, you're going to have people that are going to give you their opinion. They're going to give you their two cents. And sometimes you got to let that go in one ear and out the other, right? Because everyone is going to have an opinion on something. I was always told early on in life, people talk to you for one of two reasons. To inform you on something or to try to impress you. And if they're not informing you on something, they're trying to impress you. And I think that in wrestling, especially when you're young and you're brand new, you're very impressionable and you want to do the right thing and you want to stand out. You want to believe that you have something that's unique that you're bringing to the table. And she does. 
but to be told you're too big, this isn't going to work out for you, you shouldn't try these moves. Um, do you think, but that there are some people that would have heard that advice, and it was from an unnamed person, of course, she's not going to drop names, that would have basically kind of shattered their confidence and said, well, shit, you know, I'm too big, I'm too tall, I'm over six foot, I probably shouldn't be doing this anyway, maybe I should just get away from this business. Absolutely. There's people that would have just crushed. That will negatively affect anybody. Mm -hmm. To to a varying degree. You know, you're in her situation, she's just just getting in. She's got a unique look. She's over six feet tall. That's a tall woman. Mm -hmm. No, she comes from the MMA background, so she's obviously an athlete. No. What the hell is she too big to do? I mean, not to be a dick here, but it's not like she's awesome calm. Well, I wonder if, I mean, in every generation, right, in every certain era of wrestling, you know, the, we had the Divas era. Mm-hmm. Um, we had the, the, the blonde, bleach blonde girls with the big boobs, you know, and then you had the women who were bigger, um, I hate to say the word more manly, but they were just kind of like they were looked at as kind of the freaks, right? So you either had the super hot girls or you had the freaks. But if you weren't a freak, but you were really attractive, but you were a little bit taller, you kind of was kind of like, well, where do I fall into this category? And I think Kylan fell into that category because she was attractive and she is able to do a lot of things that a lot of people her height should not be able to do, but she thought that she, you know, definitely wanted to give it a try. So, I mean, she's no Nicole Bass. Let's be honest. She's not no Nicole Bass. Um, And for those of you who are probably saying, who's Nicole Bass? Google it. Google it and uh, then go to Peacock and watch on uh, the WWE, um, whatever you can, you can see Nicole Bass. But yeah. Kylan King, I think, is really good. And what, kind of what's your take on whoever gave you that advice is an idiot, first off. You're just a dumbass. Like, all you're doing is trying to drag her down. Whoever said that, that's what they were doing. They, I'm going to go with, they felt a certain amount of threat. They didn't want to see her. They're just a scumbag. They're, so, we got that out of the way. The first scumbag of the night is taken care of. So, I said, I don't know. A hell of a lot about her. I've seen her a couple of her matches. I think she's pretty solid. I mean, she's great in the ring. She is. You know, she's. I've seen a match. I've seen it on YouTube. I couldn't. I couldn't even tell you what organization was she was with. It was from a couple of years ago. Uh, probably three years, four years ago. I guess it would have been now. And then I've seen one that was more recent, and she's grown in leaps and bounds. She's significantly better. Pretty woman has a good look, you know. She's kind of what you want, you know. She she's very attractive. She can wrestle. She's not like the throwback to the to the diva era to where they couldn't wrestle a lick and they're all cookie cutter. They all look identical pretty much. She's she's what you want in a modern day women's wrestler. You're not supposed to do much better. 
in that surprised me though like why she never ended up getting signed on to aew i mean and that could have been her choice too mm-hmm. Let, let's keep in mind she could have been offered something but decided to to go elsewhere or to stay on the indies or, or whatever it may be but like the the aew women's division like i feel like it could be so much stronger if you had more seasoned wrestlers like once again you got your tie of valkyrie who is very very seasoned you got your ruby riot who's seasoned tony storm who's super seasoned but then you have some other girls like jade cargill not very seasoned um anna jay not very seasoned tay mello not very seasoned so it's kind of like you either have people who are well established and people who are right there at the beginning of their career and there's nobody kind of in that middle guard in that middle range where I think she could have fit in perfectly. She could have worked with some of the younger ones, brought them along, but then she could have been very believable in the matches with the, with the veterans. And I think that's where we had often heard that Kenny Omega was working with the women's division, trying to help book that and bringing in like Maki Ito. And I think was, was something that it was a, a friendship that was based upon in Japan. She's good. Uh, very gimmicky, you know, um, much like Riho, mm-hmm. you know, great wrestler, very gimmicky. So you're just asking yourself, like, are these people getting opportunities that should be getting them? Does that make does that make any sense at all? Like, I'm wondering where some of these women just, if you're Tony Khan, why you did not say, yeah, Vert Vixen, we're picking you up. Uh, Kylan King, yeah, we're picking you up. Like, I don't understand. Like, like it's it's very confusing for me to understand if you really want to have a strong women's division that you have women who've been wrestling for a while that are right there in that middle ground who could improve and be spotlighted on network television and get better and work with better people but once again i guess it just wasn't in the cards um yeah you're bringing up a good point one way you could also look at it is you have your established veterans, and one of the biggest points of having your established veterans, you would hope that they're taking the younger talent under their wing. Because you brought up uh, Anna Jay, she's 20 times the wrestler now, she was a year and a half ago. I would agree, like she can, she can wrestle now, she's fantastic. Um, well, Jay Cargill, well known fact, how I feel. There, she, not so much. She's, I don't think she's that strong of a wrestler. They had the title on her. That was mind-numbing in itself there. So, I, the problem is if you bring in more, we'll say, mid-card wrestlers, does it really help you if you have more and more talent there? Because they've already got a bloated roster. Conversation we've had five thousand times at this point if you're bringing in more how much is that really going to help you You still only have so much tv time you, you only have so much so if you're going to bring in more if you're bringing people to be mid carters you got to bring them in somebody's got to go because there's just not enough time for them. no i don't disagree with you but i guess right. my bigger question would be so okay you have, let's see here, who are some of the women that are on the roster? And I'm going to butcher this name. She's referred to as the magical girl, Yuka Sakaraxi. 
she is i have not seen her in forever uh tamello is obviously not going to be wrestling because she is pregnant now thunder rosa there's still conversation on whether or not she's going to need surgery where is serena deeb she's still mia rio is still very much mia rebel does not wrestle penelope ford i'd like to know what she's been doing because she's not uh seen on tv red velvet i've seen her a few times but other than that i haven't mercedes is in ring of honor um page van zandt is i believe not with aew uh they haven't updated their website my point though is like there's a lot of people on their roster that are not really there like madison rain she's running the women's division but she doesn't actively compete there's no layla hirsch you have julia hart but she very rarely wrestles and it's just they go on and on Uh, emmy sakura she barely wrestles uh diamante i don't see her i don't see the bunny uh and now they're bringing in another girl named harley cameron uh she's on that qtv um i've never seen her wrestle and athena is on ring of honor so your division really boils down to like Britt baker karashita jade cargill uh jamie hater uh chris statlander um, I would love to say Kira Hogan, but you don't even get to see her very often. Um, I would love to see Marina Shafir a little bit more, mm-hmm. but I mean, you're, you're not talking about a whole lot of people. They are going to be pushing sky blue more, which I think is a good thing. She had a really good showing on collision. We'll, we'll get to collision soon, but, but I don't, don't forget know. Tony storm. Um, of course, my brain's not working right now. Ruby Riot. They're Ruby still, Riot. They're still pushed. And um, help me here, Mike. Uh, who's the other one with them? Um, uh, Soraya. Soraya. There we go. I was, all I could think of was Paige. I couldn't think of Soraya. But once again, it's, what, a dozen, really, that get any kind of attention? How many more are you going to go with? Well, and you are also got to factor, okay, let's say on Dynamite, you're only going to get one women's match. Mm-hmm. And if you try to have more women uh, highlighted on the show, it's going to have to be a tag match or a six-person match. So I know this sounds terrible and people are like, oh, my God, no more belts. Maybe women's tag team wrestling should have a belt. I mean, stop. I'm, I'm just throwing stop. that out there. No. I'm throwing it out there. But – Getting Just give back. everybody a belt there. Be like participation medals. Everybody gets one. <laughs> Getting back to, to Kylan King, I'm, I'm very happy for her. Um, she's been doing a, an incredible job over at Impact Wrestling. And it, again, if you're sleeping in Impact Wrestling, please don't. They're putting on great shows. They're putting on great matches. And nothing but love to, to all of them. Um, let me see. What else do I have here on my Rolodex? Oh, uh, Impact World Champion Deanna Peraza just hit a big milestone. Andrew Ravens is writing in today. Uh, Deanna Peraza has reached a milestone for Impact Wrestling as their knockouts champion. She hit the 500-day mark. This includes all three of her title reigns. Uh, her first title reign was for 98 days from July until October of 2020 before she dropped it to Sue Young at Bound for Glory. She then retained it one month later uh, for 343 days after she won it back. Her current reign 
starred at Rebellion and uh, when she beat Jordan Grace. She is slated to defend against Trinity at Slammiversary, which will be happening on July the 15th. So in uh, subsequent episodes, we're going to be talking more and more about Slammiversary. But she has been a staple in the women's division, uh, especially since Mickey James has gone down. She's been really, really good. And I feel like Gail Kim has been super high on her over at Impact. And I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious to know if they're willing to change it up a little bit and go with Trinity. Do you think the whole Trinity recently gone from WWE is, are we still talking about that or has that buzz died down and now it's just Trinity? That's died off. I, I don't think that's relevant at all anymore. It's been how long? A year? Or close yeah, to? Yeah, it's been over a year now. Yeah, so, nah, that's that's died off. That's, that's a thing of the past. I don't think that has any value. Like, do you consider it anything, really? I don't know. I, I mean, when I when I think of Trinity, I just think of her in Mercedes walking out of WWE, dropping the belts and leaving, and former WWE superstar Naomi. Do I do I still see her as a big deal? Um, she was a big deal because she was a. Associated with Mercedes. Now, as an individual wrestler, as a singles wrestler, she is good. I feel like she's somebody who needs to be a part of an act. Um, okay, for example, Jim the Anvil Nyhard and Bret Hart. Jim needed to be around Bret. Jim by himself, it didn't work out. That's why they ended up, you know, taking Jim, and I don't know if you've known the story, but Gosh, they gave him so many other gimmicks as a singles wrestler that did not work. And then they repackaged him with the new foundation and they put him with Owen Hart. Um, but I just feel like she's good as a duo. Now, maybe she'll prove us wrong and she'll be phenomenal as a singles wrestler and a singles champion. I just don't, I haven't seen enough body of work from her. No, I'm going to argue that. Mike. Please, if you don't mind. Not at all. Up until the last couple matches I've seen of her, I would have I would have agreed with you 100%. She's gotten a lot better. She can stand on her own at this point. She's not Mercedes, but she's good. And she's, she's definitely the, the, the B-side to that album. But she's a hell of a lot better than what she was. I don't think she's in need of a partnership. Not anymore. Definitely not to what extent she was before. And I don't think at all anymore. I think she's gotten good enough to stand on her own now. Do you think in some ways, and, and we've kind of talked about this before, I mean, she obviously is a former women's champion that, that should not be overlooked in WWE. She was. So I want to give her her just dues with that. But do you think some people, and maybe this isn't the best way to, to frame the question, is they decide a place to go to reestablish themselves, to redefine themselves, maybe repackage themselves, not with the intent of this is where I'm going to be now, but this is what I'm trying to gun to go back. So I want them to see what I was able to do while I was away. Of course. 
That makes perfect sense. I mean, she's an impact. She's probably doing okay for herself, I would think. Uh, she's, I would imagine she did fairly well for herself when she was with WWE. And she actually probably wants to get back to WWE. Now, the, the hook with that is, well, she left on bad terms. You know, took her ball and went home. She literally went home. They quit. Is WWE clamoring to have her back? So, because you gotta think, yes, she was one time champion, mm-hmm. but as the tag team, but once again, she was the B side to the album. If she goes back, so they announced she's coming back, whatever, in a couple weeks' time, is that setting the world on fire? Her going back to WWE? I don't think so. Will she be that huge of an She'll be an attraction. People will want to see her, but it's not the same as if Sasha came back. Yeah, I agree. That blows the roof off the place. Trinity comes back, Naomi Trinity. Yeah, people remember. People will be happy. People will be some some hoopla and some hype to it. But it's not going to be huge. No. So, no. Could she be repackaging herself to go back? Yep, go back to a different character. But she also could just be content being an impact. You know, same thing, big fish, small pond type of thing. Could be something to that. But I wouldn't yeah. be shocked if she just does this temporarily to, to get herself relevant again. And then she goes on back to um, WWE. Her husband's there. I mean, that definitely plays a big factor, especially if your spouse works for the company. Um, Continuing with the Impact Wrestling news, they're going to be announcing some matchups for their upcoming tour, which is going to be the Down Under Australian tour for Impact Wrestling, and that'll be happening on Access TV on the next episode. Um, The company's going to be doing two shows in Australia, which is going to be June the 30th and July the 1st. So... uh, the one thing I really like about what what impact wrestling has done recently is they definitely reach out and they go different places. And what I mean by that is international. Um, They've been over to great Britain before they've done shows there. They've done shows in Australia before. So it's really interesting to see where they're going, what they're doing. They're obviously a Canadian based company. So they do a lot of stuff up in Canada as well. So very interesting. If you are in Australia, to get an opportunity to see uh, the big stars of Impact Wrestling uh, coming to your area. And again, uh, Impact Wrestling is holding Slammiversary, which is going to be on July the 15th. It's going to be a huge, huge event. Uh, Don't miss it. There's going to be more matches that are announced this Thursday on Access TV. It's going to be exciting. Uh, We are on the road to Slammiversary. Once again, it's going to be for the Women's Impact Championship. Trinity is going to be taking on Deanna Parazza, and I think it's going to be great. You're also um, going to be seeing potentially, potentially, 
on the uh, tour in Australia, a rematch between Alex Shelley and Steve Macklin. That's also that's something that's supposed to be rumored as well. But if you're looking to keep up with everything going on with Impact Wrestling, here is the way to do it. Here in the States, you can watch him on Access TV, Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard. You can also watch him on their Impact Insiders, which is Thursdays at 8.30 on YouTube, and then Impact Plus, which is Thursdays at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you are like the butt and you're in Canada, you can watch him on Fight Network. That's on Thursdays at 8 p.m. You can watch him Thursdays at 8.30 p.m. on the YouTube Impact Insiders. Or you can get Impact Plus and watch him on Thursdays at 10. Or the Game TV Network, which is on Thursdays at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, this is also going to be really exciting. You know, we talk about Forbidden Door. But Impact Wrestling also does their own version, and it's with New Japan. It's called Multiverse, and this will be Multiverse United 2, and it's, the title is For Whom the Bell Tolls. That'll be happening on Sunday, August the 20th in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Here is the write-up, the press release. A night of pro wrestling dream matches, including championship title defenses, is set for Sunday night, August the 20th, at the renowned 2300 Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Multiverses 2, For Whom the Bell Tolls, will be an epic pay-per-view co-produced by Impact Wrestling and New Japan and will air live exclusively on Fight TV. Now, you can still get your tickets if you're going to be in the Philadelphia area at 2300arena.com. So, it's going to be... Really, really good. That's their version of Forbidden Door. So Impact is, um, you know, and this kind of surprised me with Impact Wrestling working with New Japan. But why we haven't seen, and I know, you know, we, Tony Khan had said, you know, after their relationship with Impact the first time with AEW that they would, you know, readdress the relationship down the road again. What, on a scale of A, B, C, D, or F, what would you give that first uh, run with Impact uh, slash co-working with, with AEW? C. Kind yeah. of in the middle. No, nothing, nothing to get excited about. Nothing to be downtrodden about. It was uh, irrelevant. That sounds bad to put it, use that word. but It was very – it, there was nothing memorable that happened. No. It was just, it happened. Cool. That's about it. Like, legit, name something that came of that. I can't name a single thing. I mean. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the problem. I, the Christian Cage became Impact World Champion because Hangman was out. Like, that's yeah. the big thing that I'm going to remember about that whole thing. Hangman was supposed to beat Kenny for the championship and that never happened. So Kenny had to do double duty. Mm-hmm. So Kenny ended up beating rich Swan and becoming a, a dual champion, which I, I never think that's a good idea. I never think tying two belts up on one person's a good idea, but they did it and it wasn't memorable. And I wonder, I wonder if they just got too excited too fast because it never seemed like anything was really planned. Do you know what I mean? It felt like things were kind of haphazardly going. Like they would have Kenny and uh, the Good Brothers and the Young Bucks together. And then after that, that kind of broke apart. Then they ended up uh, teasing Sammy Callahan coming over and invading AEW. But then that never really ended up happening. 
Moose never really got a rematch with Kenny. It was on Impact, but nothing ever happened on AEW television. It was bothersome. It was kind of like, it was very one-sided, and I think a lot of wrestling fans agree. It was a very one-sided relationship. I felt like AEW got the lion's share of that deal, and Impact didn't get very much in return. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Impact got nothing. A little, bit, a little bit, a very little bit of exposure, but it wasn't positive exposure. Hey, look, we're, we're nowhere near as busy as AEW. They beat the piss out of us all the time. They came over and took our title. They did not come out of that looking good. Now, one thing that surprises me about it, and you just brought up a great point, that it seemed very thrown together. It didn't seem like it was impact. well thought out at all. I, I agree with you 100%. I agree with you. Now, this is what... I don't understand about it. So on Impact, you have Scott Demore and Tommy Dreamer. Yes. Those are the bookers, writers, both very smart men. Both very good at what they do. How did it get so offside? You know what I mean? Like what what happened there? Was it a matter of it was a power play by Tony Khan and AEW. Hey, we're going to give you a little bit of rub, get you a little bit of attention, but we're calling the shots. Not saying nothing bad about AEW, you know, better than that, but it makes sense, doesn't it? Would that not seem to be almost the way it is? It did. It almost seemed like, you're right, it seemed like AEW and maybe we're wrong on this, but it seemed like they dictated the terms of the relationship because if you're going to have a partnership in wrestling, right, there's got to be give and take. There has to be. If you're going to have Kenny win the Impact World Championship, you know, you can't look at it from the perspective of, oh, well, well, Kenny's got your championship, and so he's going to be parading it on AEW television. You should be grateful. It's free publicity. But then you got to have an impact guy beat an AEW guy to have that championship to bring, you know, attention to their show. It's, it's gotta be the wax and the wane because if it's not, then it looks so lopsided and it looks like a bullied event. And I really think that's what it was. Um, there's an article here on the sportster. I'm going to read this uh, to you just really, really quickly. Regarding the AEW uh, Impact Wrestling relationship, and it says AEW and Impact Wrestling announced their partnership at the end of 2020, and fans immediately got excited for some dream matches from wrestlers from both promotions. But fans were ready for things to get bigger and better, and these matches to become reality week in and week out. Unfortunately, the partnership did not deliver. The number for actual crossovers in reality was very limited. Kenny Omega was the Impact World Champion. He was routinely appearing on Impact and did main events there as well and their pay-per-view. However, you really didn't know if, unless you were watching AEW. Other than the Impact World Championship being one of many championships around Omega's waist, the partnership was non-existent when it came to AEW television. Impact Wrestling did slightly get a little bit out of the deal. Not only did Omega often appear, Matt Hardy appeared a few times as well as Private Party on Impact Wrestling, although AEW stars that were supposed to go over to Impact decided not to. One specifically 
was Sammy Guevara, who said that he was not going to be going over there. Speaking of which, the Sammy Guevara incident. Uh, there may be a lot of things that can be said about Impact Wrestling in their relationship with AEW, but the Wrestling Observer mentioned that Sammy Guevara was supposed to be part of a six-man match teaming with Chris Bay and Ace Austin. Now, the team was supposed to win that match and then face off against the X Division champion uh, in a six-man tag. However, Guevara decided that the story did not make enough sense, and... Uh, he decided that he was not going to be coming down to Impact Wrestling. He was going to be sticking with his inner circle storyline, and he refused to do an angle where he would potentially lose. Let's let's talk about this here for a second. You you and I had mentioned this before, specifically you. If you're getting paid X amount of dollars, and, and this is the problem I have with wrestling, and you agree with this, creative control. Creative control is ridiculous. It's ridiculous because at the end of the day, you're getting a salary to wrestle. Whether you win or lose is really irrelevant. You're wrestling. And if you can't accept the fact that you may not win or you don't like the way this is going to make you look, that's beside the point. You just go ahead and you do what's expected of you and you don't put up a stink. But we've talked about this before with Kenny, with, uh, with Kenny and a lot of other people is that there's a lot of freedom that's given to the wrestlers in AEW to say yay or nay on things. Recently, Miro. Miro has pitched multiple ideas to come back. Miro shot them all down until he found one that he felt was suitable for his character. Once again, when you give people a long leash and you give them the opportunity to stand up to the boss and say, no, I'm not doing this. Or, you know, the, the famous phrase that don't work for me, brother. Um, I think what you're doing is you're going to create a mutiny. It's, it's going to be the inmates running the asylum and where the warden is just sitting there in his office because he's a glorified fan who has a bunch of money and wants to do this. And it's like, okay, there's a, there's a reason why Vince McMahon uh, has been successful because in some ways you have to be an asshole. And I hate to say it, but any person in corporate America will tell you any person who's successful in the industry in any industry says you kind of got to be a little bit of a dick. If you're not, people are going to run roughshod on you and they're going to think that they can walk all over you. And I feel like Tony, it's been four years now. Everybody knows where they can push Tony. Everybody knows what they can get away with. And, and now that they know the precedent has been set, right? Just like a school teacher. Your wife's a teacher. My, my wife's a teacher. I teach. If you don't make those understood ground rules where there's boundaries on the first week of school, then they're going to push it and they're going to push it. And it's a problem. And I think it's a big problem in AEW. And it's not, it's not a way to run any type of company or any type of business at all. And I think the CM Punk situation shows that. It completely shows that. Anyway, I'm done with my tangent. No, you're, you're right on the money. It makes no sense. Like me personally, if so, I'm I'm Tony Khan, just for him's sake, okay? And you come up to me, you're like, hey, Tony, I got this idea. That I would be cool with. This is where I would like my character to go. Or how about we tweak my character to this. That I'm okay with. 
it's never bad getting input from people. That's actually a very positive thing. Now, with that said, if I come to you, Mike, this is what we're going to have your character do now. This is this is what you do. You're you're the next Bastion Booger, and you pitch a fit. No, I'm not doing it. Okay, then go the fuck home. Yes, you're not going to get a paycheck. And I don't give a damn. And no, you can't go wrestle for anybody else because you're a breach of contract with me now. So, bye-bye. Go home. Sit on your ass. I hope you saved your money. Because uh, the bills are going to keep coming in. And when you get your head out of your ass, you can give me a call. And guess what? You're going to be a combination of Bash and Booger and the Red Rooster now. Because you pissed me off. And then we'll see where it goes from there. I'm not saying it's right to be a miserable prick to people, but you can't have your your employees that no, no boss, I'm not doing that. I want to do this. No, you can provide uh, ideas, constructive criticism, all that is fine and dandy. But at the end of the day, Tony Khan calls the shots, or so. Perfect example here. Miro's back with WWE. Vince comes up to him. Miro, this is what we're doing. You think Miro's going to say no? I agree. There's no way he's going to say no. Miro's no. A, he's a big star, but he's not like a, he's not the rock. He's not like a super duper star. But he's got a bit of pull, but he's not going to pull that shit with, with Vince. No, yeah, and, and, no, no problem, pal. Um, fuck you, you're fired. And and I think that's the big problem. I mean, I think that, you know, for all the things, okay, I'm not going to get into his personal life and the things he's done and whatnot because I think he's despicable as a human being. Let's just stick on to what he did for wrestling. Mm-hmm. What he did with wrestling was it was his company and it's my way or the highway. And if you perform well for me, Yes, I may give you a little bit of leniency. If you don't perform well for me and you are still bitching and pitching a fit, then absolutely no. I'm not going to cut you any leeway. But I think Vince was the type of personality that needed to be in his company. And unfortunately, there is no one right there in AEW. There isn't anyone. No. Sadly, no. I don't think that's necessarily accurate there. There could be people there, but Tony Khan is the top of the heap, but he's the one that calls all the shots. You can't tell me somebody like Dustin Rhodes wouldn't try to sort some of this crap out if, they, if he well, had the pull. Okay, uh, but let's let's go down this road here. Do you think, and you may say yes to this, that we look at certain people as veterans However, do you think if they were asked, hey, do you want this responsibility to govern this group of people or whatever, they would automatically say yes. We're assuming Arn Anderson would say yes. We're assuming Jake Roberts would say yes or that Jim Ross would say yes. We know that Jim wants nothing to do with it outside of announcing. He made that very clear. I don't want to be part of talent relations, et cetera, et cetera. The person that's head of talent relations is Christopher Daniels. Do you think Christopher Daniels is authoritative enough when it comes to these things? 
my point though is people may have the abilities to do said position, but maybe not everybody wants to be that type of person. Well, but then that's a valid point. That's no, that that's fair. But that's but in, in every work environment, if you are producing enough, you get a little more leeway. Like you said, if you, you know, if you're wrestling for Vince and you're drawing in big numbers, you're putting off fantastic matches, they help it up a little more your bullshit. Just like in my job, you know, good performer, get a little more leeway. If you're not doing well, yeah, you generally got to toe the line and be well paid and keep your app shut, and, and that's it. That's every work environment, though. Really. I don't know how you would rate the ship in AEW right now, though, with everything that's gone on. Like, how I don't how can you get it sorted out? Well, okay, let me ask you this question. Why is it... So anytime you look at a situation, right, and you look at a company and you go, okay, this has clearly gone off the rails. Why hasn't it gone off the rails for these people? Why hasn't it gone off the rails for these people? They're all in the same industry, right? Mm-hmm. So let's take a look at Scott Demore. Scott Demore. I think, and and I don't know Scott, never met him before. However, I think he's cultivated a relationship where egos check him at the door. Check him. They're not going to work here. Mm -hmm. But he's also put people in charge who are respected by the talent. So not only is 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 Tommy a big part of it, but Tommy's also a liaison to the talent where he can go back and talk to Scott. And I'm wondering if there's just way too many egos in AEW and it's so big and massive that I don't know who the liaison would be. Like we you know we we hear about who the coaches are, right? And then we hear that, you know, Jericho's a locker room leader or Brian Danielson or John Moxley. But the reality is, who is that second in command who is willing to do that? I know Tony Schiavone went ahead and he's got a lot of power in AEW. But who is that person? Who is that person who can grab somebody by the scruff and say, that's not the way it's going to work? Right? Who Who is that person? Yeah. Well, Shivani's not going to be that guy. He's not going to be that guy. He's, no, he's just—he's just not. Uh, it's he's not, not wired like that, right? Now, um, Mox could grab somebody by his scruff and neck and like straighten your shit out, and you will listen. Somebody him, he's a veteran, been around a long time, and he'll do you punch think, in the mouth. Do you think there's a difference between? I have to rough you up because I need to put you in check. You're getting too big for your britches or I need to rough you up because I need you to see the bigger picture to be a team player. Not the one the same. I, but see, that's the thing that like, I feel like in one scenario, yeah, if Mox was that guy backstage, who says, what are you doing? You're, you're acting like a jackass. You're doing this. You're doing that. You, you, you didn't prepare for your match. This is the, the shits. I feel like he could be that type of guy who holds you really accountable for your, your work performance. But when it comes to the griping and the, this and the, that, the, all the stuff that we consider to be toxic, right? I don't necessarily know if Mox, and I, once again, never met him, don't know him, if it's, he's the type of person who could handle that, nor does he want to handle that. Who is that person who can say, listen, let, let's, let's go over here and talk. 
right? Yeah. Somebody who can be diplomatic, get their point across, but get you on the same page as everybody else. That's a good question. That that part there, the griping, the pissing and moaning, the stupid shit on Twitter. Yes. You know, you know what that is? That's just people in the world fuck up. Oh, I completely agree. Social media they, is absolutely the most juvenile concept ever. Yes. Right? I mean, we're both on social media. But, I mean, for you, for you, if you were to go on tomorrow, and be like, Jesus, I did a show at the butt last night. He is a fucking idiot. I don't know why I do this every Tuesday night. Da, da, da. The four people that will actually see that post are going to think, man, these two morons. <laughs> no, but you know what? would be one of them. Yeah. <laughs> and then I would call and yell at you. But that's a different conversation. But you know what I mean? Like, that just that's just a shitty look. It is. It's a bad look. Right? Versus, oh, once again, use us, for example. If you weren't content with how the show went tonight, once you go off here, but you know what, but that sucked. You're a dumbass. Or you were prepared. Or you were being a knucklehead. Or wh whatever it would be. That would be more beneficial. Sure, it might turn into a shouting match. But that's fine. Because it's just you and I. We can agree to disagree. We can hash it out. We can tell each other to go fuck ourselves, and that's the end of it. But that's the proper way to do it. You don't air your issues on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, TikTok or any other. You just don't. It's And once again, it goes back to just not being a dumbass. Because well, if you go on on your Twitter tomorrow. Yes. Oh, you know, Mr. So-and-so, what, whatever the name of the school is that you work at, is a fucking idiot. Can't stand working with him. He's useless. But how's that going to fly? It's not. Exactly. And it shouldn't. Plain and simple. I, I couldn't do it. Because yeah, you just can't do that. If you got an issue, handle it. You no, know, try to handle it like adults at the beginning. No, Mike, I'm not happy. Well, but I'm not happy with you either. Okay, we can try to talk it out, try to improve, curse each other out, whatever it is. But you don't, you can't just jump on the internet and put up a stupid comment. Why? You don't make yourself look better. If anything, you look like a moron. You do. Right, so what do you what do you gain from it? You just get the vent and grape and piss and moan. Cool. You look like an asshole. Uh, the company you work for looks at being run by a bunch of assholes. And so who wins in this? Nobody. One does. The dirt sheet writers do. Oh, sure. That's it. Really? Because they like to, they like love the trash. They love yeah. the dirt slinging, the mud slinging. They love it. Right. And it's just because that, that's probably your biggest thing you got with AEW is the lack of maturity, it seems like. Once again, under, like you said, you don't know any of these guys. I don't either. Never been in the locker room. But everything you read. Now, albeit you have to take it all with a grain of salt. But when you hear this many stories, there's got to be a certain amount of truth to it. And it's, it's a lack of maturity. How many times has Sammy gone on saying something stupid on the internet? A it's lot. It's happened a couple times now. Yes. Why? Why, Sammy? He's 
a good young wrestler who could have a very good career ahead of him. Why don't you just go to work? Just, just go to work, man. Put on your match. He puts on great matches. You know, he's very entertaining. He's over. Why you got to piss and moan because you're not happy with this guy? Or you're not happy with that guy? Or you don't think you're getting this proper treatment here? Or whatever it would be. Just stop. Please stop. You'll you'll get more respect. Right? No, I agree. I, I could not agree with you more. I feel... I feel like we're in a situation where wrestlers, if they feel like they're being booked poorly or if they feel like they're not getting the push they want or whatever it may be, they'll go on to their social media platforms and write something cryptic if they're not completely just blunt. Mm -hmm. And then the whole concept is to get people talking, to get people talking. And basically it's it's them – and the fans versus whoever the promotion is making the promotion look bad. When in reality, if you would handle your business like a professional, talk about it behind closed doors and keep your yap shut on social media, you might find that that level of maturity and that mutual respect goes a lot farther. And also, much like anything, and you brought up a really good point before, if you're not happy about something, the one thing I was always taught was don't bitch about it not happening. Bring a solution to the conversation. Say, hey, I'm not really quite sure if I'm on board with this. What do you think about this? Mm -hmm. Make sure you include some of theirs, include some of yours, come to some level of, uh, of communication, a hybrid, and then see what happens there. But don't just bitch for the sake of bitching because everyone can do that. It doesn't really prove anything. Um, plus, it just makes it look worse. So yeah, I agree. Um, we will table that for a second. Let's jump over to the world of WWE. This is from Bleacher Report. Um, Bleacher Report said that Monday Night Raw, they just more money in the bank uh, as it's been shaping up. Trish Stratus and Raquel Rodriguez competed in a qualifying match. Uh, it ended in a tie, um, but they're going to be getting back at it again on July the 1st. Rhea Ripley faced Natalia in a Night of Champions rematch. Matt Riddle battled Ludwig Kaiser of the Imperium. We also saw Logan Paul return to WWE. He cut a promo on top of the ladder, telling the world in the WWE universe that he is going to be Mr. Money in the Bank. Uh, we start off the show with Miz and Tommaso Ciampa, and it was interesting about this right now because we've talked about the Miz many, many times, and you know, he's he's very much still a serviceable guy. He's still good. You can rely on him. Um, but I think right now what you're seeing here with bringing Tomasa Ciampa back is the fact that Vince was never high on him. Vince was never high on Johnny Gargano. But I think Triple H is finally saying, look, I mean, we've invested so much time in these guys. We have to see what we've got. And before... You know, Tommaso had been on Raw, uh, few and far between. Johnny had been on it, far and few between. Well, Tommaso Ciampa ends up picking up the win against The Miz when he hit the fairy tale ending to wrap up a short but a somewhat solid match. Ciampa looked good, and The Miz did a great job on putting him over. Uh, Bleacher Report gives this one a C+. I thought it was an okay match. I think the big thing that they need to do is they need to either find a way to use Tommaso or cut bait. 
And I feel like with WWE cuts coming up, I think this is the reason why you're seeing some of these guys. Because if you remember, um, Nick Khan had mentioned that before the end of the year, you're going to see a thinning of the roster, and they're wanting it to be more streamlined, obviously wanting to make the product a lot better. So do not be surprised if they're throwing these guys out right here to see what sticks and what doesn't. Uh, Sonya Deville and Chelsea Green took on Caden Carter and Katina Chance. I thought that match uh, didn't really turn out to be quite what I thought it was. Uh, Bleacher Report agrees as well. They said this was, match was fine, but it really wasn't enough. It did not establish the stars, and obviously others end up just getting squashed. The winners of the match were Chance and Carter. Uh, Bleacher Report gives us one a D plus. I'd have to agree with that. And the reason for that is the already established wrestlers, they're already going to get their stuff in. They're going to get it in. But when it comes to your up-and-coming stars, you absolutely have to make sure that they gain something, right? So even though the new the new gals are going to lose, you at least want to have them get something in that can make the audience connect with them. Because if it turns into a friggin' glorified squash match, then what's the point? You're not really bringing anybody up. You could still get somebody over in a losing effort, but it still kind of continues their progression to where eventually they will get a win. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, Vince McMahon's hands were all over this episode of Raw. It, it was reported as well from Fightful that Vince had some, some hands in making some dramatic changes with this as well. Um, we go on to Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin uh, versus, and, and I hope I say this right, in this sheer. Uh, the match itself, once again, uh, not that great, much like the women's tag match that happened before. It lasted less than three minutes and ended with a quick decision. Uh, they scored the pinfall to win in a very short and uneventful contest. And to share one, uh, Bleacher Report gives this one a D plus. Uh, Logan Paul then comes out to cut a promo where he talks about being Mr. Money in the Bank. Uh, then eventually a brawl broke out. It ended with Paul climbing to the top of the ladder with the briefcase. It might not have been as bad. The brawl itself didn't really help the segment as well. I think what they were trying to do was they were trying to highlight the people that are in the match. So right now you're looking at Ricochet. You're looking at Shinsuke Nakamura, LA Knight, Santos Escobar, and Butch. And I think right now, I mean, unless you're blind, deaf, and dumb, you know that LA Knight is going to become Mr. Money in the Bank. They're getting behind him. The man is so over with the audience, it's not even funny. So I think that's going to be a really interesting matchup. Uh, we move on to Matt Riddle took on Ludwig Kaiser, which was interesting from the Imperium. Uh, Matt Riddle actually ends up picking up the win. Uh, Riddle ended up getting the win. Uh, it was very predictable right up to the end. And then Kaiser and Gunther went ahead and gave Riddle a beat down after the match. Uh, this actually went through two different segments. And the report gives this one a B plus. And I think you'll be happy with this. The Viking Raiders took on the Alpha Academy. Uh, the Viking Raiders actually get a pick up a win here. Um, it made sense. It was a decisive victory. Um, instead of having your guys uh, end up winning, Eric took advantage of a situation. The Viking Raiders go on top. 
Uh, overall, the match was okay. Um, it didn't look very impressive with Chad Gable and what, what's your guy's name? Otis? Otis. Otis. That's it. Greatest wrestler ever. Well, the Viking Raiders went ahead and topped them. That match ended up getting a C plus. We move on to Raquel Rodriguez took on Trish Stratus in a qualifying match for the money in the bank. It might not have been very exciting, especially towards the end. Rodriguez ends up defeating um, or ends up, ends up killing her chances of winning. Uh, Trish Stratus wins by disqualification, although it kind of leaves everybody kind of in a weird situation here because it was a definitive winner. Do look for a rematch before the pay-per-view happens. This match as well got a C plus. Shinsuke Nakamura ended up taking on the returning Bronson Reed. Bronson Reed ends up knocking off Shinsuke. There was some convoluted moments, but it was a decent job overall telling the story. Bleacher Report gives this match a B. And then finally, Cody Rhodes, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens versus the Judgment Day. The winners... As expected, Cody Rhodes, Sammy, and Kevin Owens after a long back-and-forth battle that lasted a couple of commercial breaks. Uh, Rhodes scored the pin with the crossroads on Damian Priest, and the crowd went happy at the end. It got an A-. minus. Um, at the end of the day, Monday Night Raw was very forgettable. Um, we didn't really get a definitive Trish Stratus win. I mean, that, that's something that we thought we would have gotten. Obviously, I know they're not trying to bury Raquel Rodriguez. They're trying to still build her up. Um, they got Tommaso Ciampa over with The Miz, which, once again, I think it's just, what do we have here with Tommaso? Is he going to be somebody who's going to hold up? Uh, Sonya Deville and Chelsea Green, um, they're already established wrestlers. They're really, really good. Now, obviously, uh, Chance and Carter did get the win on this one, but it did not look like they were doing the younger stars any benefits whatsoever. Um, Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin. I think that this is an okay duo, but I think this is a smash together duo, mainly because Braun Strowman is still out. It's weird still saying the name Shelton Benjamin in 2023. I can't believe the man's still around. Uh, and then obviously Logan Paul, which is a big crossover appeal with WWE fans. He says that he's going to be Mr. Money in the Bank, and he, if he wins, is looking forward to dethroning a champion of his choice. Now, let me ask you this. Seth Rollins is one, and Roman Reigns is the other. I do believe he competed against both of them already at one point. Um, I could be wrong on that. Did you remember who he all wrestled so far in WWE? No. Let's see here. You're the one with the with the better memory for that stuff, Mike. Let's see here. Logan Paul WWE record. Uh, let's see here. I want to say he did. Okay. Social media megastar Logan Paul has had a stellar performance in a short run in WWE. Logan has scored two wins to one loss. So, obviously, it looks like he probably beat Seth Rollins, and he ended up losing to... Um, oh, I stand corrected. Logan Paul got his revenge against The Miz at SummerSlam to pick up his first win. And let's see here. Who else did he win? He lost to Roman Reigns at Crown Jewel. And I'm trying to see who else. Who else did he defeat? Hmm. <laughs> 
I don't have that right here. But Logan Paul has stated in other conversations, in interviews, he would be interested in taking on Carrying Cross, which does surprise me. Carrying Cross. Carrying Cross. Who, That's a uh, random uh, name. Very random. He's good. He is a good wrestler. He's man. He's just not. When he came back, I remember when he left WWE. I remember he and Scarlett were really upset because they were given that goofy attire he was supposed to wear and when he debuted on monday night raw he lost to jeff hardy and it was like you're debuting someone on monday night raw and you have them lose like i mean talk about just getting no no help whatsoever um that was sad so love to know what your thoughts are on monday night raw like i said before very interesting as we build up to Money in the Bank. Obviously, they're going to have more qualifying matches still to come. But um, I'm curious to see what's going to happen with Tommaso Ciampa. Because if he stays, would you assume... Like, you're looking at different titles that he could compete for. Obviously, the Intercontinental Championship, the World Heavyweight Championship. I mean, he's not going to be competing against Roman Reigns for the WWE Universal Championship. Do you think he would be somebody that you would be invested in to see on a weekly basis on Raw? I would. I like Tommaso Trump. I think he's fantastic. Uh, I think he's. it's a missed opportunity. His, his issue is he's little. If he it wasn't is for a that, statured guy, you're right. Same as um, uh, Johnny Gargano. Johnny Gargano. And that's the biggest right. problem that um, – Vince had with both of those guys is that a lot of people in NXT with the exception of Bronson Reed, with the exception of hit row, you know, with the exception of a couple of other people, um, it's very cruiserweight esque, if you will. Um, I'm trying to pull up what the original black and gold roster was. Let me pull this up. But you know, you know what I'd love to see. We've seen it. I'd watch it again. Happy Johnny and Tommaso feud. I mean, we've seen it, but you know it's going to be a damn good match. I'd love to watch that again. Right? I, I, you couldn't put two of them in a ring together and not have a good match. The only thing is, are they going to be able to have the type of matches we were used to seeing back in NXT Black and Gold? Because there were some pretty vicious matches. I don't know if you'd get away with that with WWE on the main roster. I think they'd hold you back a little bit, which would hurt them. Okay, let's see. So I don't think this is what I was thinking of. Um, I'll have to come back to this. But yeah, the, the, the original concept with NXT obviously was supposed to be developmental, and then they said, no, it's really our third brand. And then when they started getting beaten, the ratings by AEW, they said, no, we're developmental. And they kept going back and back and forth. And I thought it was, you know, honestly kind of ridiculous that they could never really make their mind up. But I feel like NXT has a lot of guys and gals that are going to be called up. Remember, they called over 18 people up. That's a lot of new blood being infused into the rosters. 18 people is a lot. 
And now you have Braun Breaker, who it looks like he's going to be challenging Seth Rollins for the World Heavyweight Championship. I mean, I don't necessarily know where you put some of these younger guys unless they're just card fillers. I mean, do you really think that Johnny Gorgano is going to be... I know he's also been injury-prone as well. Tommaso Ciampa has been injury-prone. You know, we, we've seen what they've done in NXT. Do you feel like it's just going to be same old, same old again if you put him back out there? I mean, what, what else could you truly do with them? That's, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, I'd like to see same old, same old, because same old, same old was pretty damn good in NXT. Yeah, no, I'm not saying I'd that. I'd watch that again. I think they're both going to get cut. Personally, you think so? Yeah, I would like to think that 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 something could happen, but again, I've lost so much confidence with with WWE, and and it's not because I'm a a WWE hater, but I just don't I don't think it's I don't think it works. So you had people in there, okay? So you had Bianca Belair at one point in time in there. You had. Uh, Shayna Baszler, Adam Cole, Johnny Gorgano. Um, that was your big one. Obviously, you had the Undisputed Era. Karrion Cross was a great champion there. He was taking on Finn Balor. That was really exciting as well. Um, there's a lot of people that were awesome back there. Samoa Joe was in there at one point in time. Um, Damian Priest, was he Damian, not there? He was. He definitely was. Um, Roderick Strong was in there. I'm trying to go off the top of my head, trying to remember here. Uh, Bobby Fish was in there. Uh, the guy that's in Butch now, he was in there as well. You had the Alpha Academy who was in there as well. Um, they had a pretty good I mean, uh, Alistair Black was in there. Yeah. They had a good one. They had a good run there. But unfortunately, they brought people up. They cut some people, and it was never quite the same again. So, But the thing is... NXT should be developmental. I don't I don't think it should be a third brand. It should be developmental. Now with that, it's it's always gonna be in constant change and constant retooling. It's like a minor league sports team. Right. Yeah, you're gonna be really good for a bit, but then players are gonna get called up, traded, whatever it would be, and you kind of suck for a little bit. You're going to go down a lot of peaks and valleys, hopefully. Right. So, do you think NXT is just in a bit of a valley right now, or do you think it's what do you, what do you? I think, I think NXT right now was, and it's hard to say because sometimes I want to say, man, you should keep these guys down there longer, obviously to build up the brand. Because if you look at every single time NXT gets built up, they end up just pulling people away throwing them to the main roster and it's like you never give nxt really the time to really breathe and to become its own entity but maybe that's not really the designed goal um i like what they do i think what Shawn michaels is doing is really good i think there's a lot of interest in it um i i i think they have a lot of potential is what i will say and i know that's a very 
non-committal answer, but I think they have a lot of potential in WWE with NXT, especially with, with NIL as well, next in line. I think they have a lot of people there who are basically just athletes who they will convert them into wrestlers through NXT, and then if things work out for them, move them up into the main roster. But I think that'll be it'll be interesting to see, but I think they're doing the right thing in NXT, if you're, if you're asking me. I really do. I think that you know, when Triple H was heavily involved in it, it was the best it was going to be. But then when Triple H obviously had to step away from it, you know, things changed with his heart issues. And then, you know, Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon will disagree. They will say they didn't take over, but they did. And then obviously when everything had gone down, you know, Triple H was promoted to being the, the C, COO, I want to say. So, interesting. Uh, something else WWE related before we jump over to AEW. They got a big lineup for their upcoming UK tour. Now, typically when, what ends up happening here is they do the UK tour right after WrestleMania. Unfortunately, they delayed that this year. They're going to be doing it now, um, coming up pretty soon here. I have the dates as well. WWE will be heading to the United Kingdom for a tour. And it looks like it is going to be in Sheffield, England, and in Liverpool as well. So lineup is going to be June 28th will be in Liverpool. June 29th will be in Sheffield. Here is the lineups. World Heavyweight Championship match, Seth Rollins takes on Damian Priest. WWE Women's World Championship, Rhea Ripley takes on Natalia. A street fight, Cody Rhodes takes on Finn Balor. Matt Riddle takes on... Um, Matt Riddle and the New Day takes on the Imperium. Becky Lynch takes on Zoe Stark. Ricochet versus Dominic Mysterio. Shinsuke versus Bronson Reed. And Raquel Rodriguez takes on Piper Nevin. Um, if you'd like some more information, there's more information as well. But then we go to the second leg of the European tour. June 29th show will be in Dublin, Ireland. And it only makes sense that you're going to see some of these names. The Usos versus the Street Profits versus... Pretty Deadly versus Sammy Zayn and Kevin Owens for the Tag Team Championships. For the Women's Championship, Asuka versus Bailey versus Bianca Belair versus Charlotte Flair. For the United States Championship, Austin Theory takes on AJ Styles. Bobby Lash clashes with Karrion Cross. Rey Mysterio takes on LA Knight. Rich Holland and Sheamus take on Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. Also appearing is going to be Santos Escobar and Solo Sokoa as well. Um, very interesting here. So that's going to be their European tour that'll be taking place in Dublin, Ireland, Sheffield, England, and in Liverpool from the 28th through the 29th of July, June, June. So it's going to be coming up here just a couple days. A lot of good matches there. It is a lot of good matches. They're going to see a hell of a card here. I think they're, they're bordering on pay-per-view quality matches there. Yeah. I agree. Good for I them. I agree so. Good for them. I agree. Um, let's talk a little bit about, let's jump over and talk a little bit about AEW. Now, before we go into what happened in on Collision, I should say, which was the big thing that many AEW fans are looking for, what was the one thing that people were talking about when it came to CM Punk and the upcoming shows in Canada? What was not going very well, Butster? Ticket sales. 
ticket sales. They were not going well. Well, according to Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer, ticket sales for the upcoming Dynamite and Collision shows have gotten a significant increase following the premiere episode of AEW Collision live on TNT this past Saturday night. There's been an upward tick in trending for both not only the Collision show, but for the Dynamite show. Now, the surge in ticket sales could be attributed to the perception of a major angle that is going to be unfolding in weeks to come. Fans seem to be very captivated on the recent developments. AEW is leading a lot of interest right now in both sectors after collision. Now, while it remains uncertain what major angles may be taking place, at least the perceived idea of fans catching something notably important has gotten their attention. In particular, the upcoming Dynamite in Chicago is rumored to feature CM Punk as well. Tickets are going strong there. However, with Punk being there, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, and Adam Hangman Page will not be in attendance for Dynamite this week. They will have cut some promos leading up to their Forbidden Door matches. Um, I guess it's one of those deals where if somebody's going to be booked one week, hey, we need that week off. We're not going to be, and that's, I, I literally, I guess they're either going to continue with this. Some people think that it's going to be because CM Punk cut, I don't want to say a scathing promo, but he cut one on the Young Bucks uh, when he came back for Collision. And he seems to at least believe, based upon what he said on Collision, that he's kind of the main reason why Warner Discovery actually wanted him. So, like, like he's the guy. So, he definitely went into heel punk mode big time as well. Big time. He had to. Yeah. Just for business, he had to. Well, if you're going to bring somebody like that back, you got to do something with him that's going to be, you know, catching people's attention. And, by God, you're going to have to do something with CM Punk. And I think it's a damn shame, though, that... It's gotten to this point. I mean, do you think, let me ask you this. A lot of people have been talking about if they could all sit down in the same room. Would CM Punk and FTR taking on the Young Bucks and Kenny or the Young Bucks and Adam Page, would that be a big deal? You mean like a, a match? Like would it be a ratings draw, you mean? Or? Well, I mean, a feud that led off, it culminated in a match. Do you think that that's still something, or do you think, unfortunately, because of his injury and whatnot, things have kind of cooled down? Oh, no. That, that'd be great ratings to anybody that follows, because, you know, there's story to it. Do you think that many people outside of AEW are following this? For sure. Yeah. Just due to the fact it's CM Punk. Because even if you're a WWE fan, you know who CM Punk is. Right. So, no, people definitely follow it. it. I don't know if it'd be a, an ethical move, but if you do it with the six of them, but every match needs to be like a fight. You, because you want to play off the, hey, we don't really like each other type of thing. Right. So you don't want to have a technical match. You want to have fights. A brawl. Like I'm talking air shots, like something stiff, not to where somebody's getting hurt. I don't mean that. It can't be a, a legit fight, but you know what I mean? 
Yeah, a no DQ type of thing, lights out match. match. Yeah, something like that. It'll be a draw. Yeah, you're playing off what's currently happening. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be a scattered shot that's a little bit heavier than necessary. But you would hope that nobody go completely overboard and do something young. I'm not sure it's necessary to the proper thing to do but it'll draw people you'd watch it because you'd watch it expecting somebody to potato somebody else because you you know somebody's going to put a lick on somebody and then is there going to be a receipt and then you know because you just you just expect it even though yes wrestling's predetermined but you just you just think you put the six of them in a match together, they're going to be the tired of each other because they have personal issues and they're also six damn good wrestlers as well. Did you happen to catch any of the interview that ESPN did with CM Punk? No, we don't get ESPN. Okay, so ESPN did an interview. I believe it was Tom Rinaldi did an interview with CM Punk. And boy, did it shock me. He talked about the all-out situation. I don't know how he got around being able to talk about it, but he talked about some stuff. And he specifically talked about the promo where Adam Hangman Page cut on him, telling him about workers' rights. And so some of you AEW fans who might not be super familiar with what did Adam Page mean by workers' rights? Well, CM Punk kind of established himself as the voice of the voiceless back in WWE that he would stand up for people who were not being able to be heard, right? And about making conditions fair for everyone. Well, the reason why Adam Hangman Page said what he said was because it was widely believed, and this is where all the speculation falls into. Um, Punk evidently said to Hangman backstage after that punch happened, why did you do that? And he said it's because you got Colt Cabana fired and you got him moved over to Ring of Honor. Well, CM Punk says, I had nothing to do with Colt Cabana end up getting moved from AEW to Ring of Honor. That was a Tony Khan decision to make. And I felt like that was kind of interesting because they did talk about it after it happened. And the the side where Punk has the biggest problem is there was an issue between Punk and Colt Cabana. Punk thought that it should just be between them. Punk was under the assumption that the Bucks went to Meltzer and were telling them things about what was happening and how Punk was, you know, not being professional and this and that. So that's why Punk ended up saying what he said about the young Bucks. And he ended up saying the same stuff about Adam Page at the scrum because he was basically saying he called Adam Page, I think, an empty headed fuck. Because he was basically saying Adam Page doesn't know anything about the story between me and Cole Cabana. And he said, I totally get it sticking up for your friends. But I did stick up for that guy myself for decades. And now I'm not sticking up for him anymore. Do you think in some ways you can stick up for somebody and support them without meddling too far? Do you think in some ways that the Young Bucks and hangman might have i don't want to say meddled but maybe have put their nose into two other men's situations that it doesn't 
it, it was not required to be. Probably wasn't required, but you're like Punk said, you're gonna pick up for your friends, right? That's just human nature. You're gonna True. pick up to a varying degree. I don't know if you need to get in, into you know spats live on air or, or fisticuffs in locker rooms and stuff like that. You don't know if you necessarily want to go to the extreme. You definitely don't want to be going to the dirt riders. And well, you, and that's you definitely big... don't want to go there. That's just because you know they're going to twist it around. They're going to stir and, the pot, sure. No, but... it's like the National Enquirer. Do you th- okay? So now that I'm I'm hearing more about this, Hangman was not, even though he was mentioned in the scrum. You know, being an empty-headed fuck, he didn't storm Punk's locker room with the elite. It was just the Bucks and Kenny. And I wondered, and I wondered about that for a long time, and I wondered why was was Hangman not a part of that? Had he already left the building? What was going on with all this? But I'm wondering if Hangman just said, you know what? Listen, I stuck up for Colt. I spoke my piece to Punk. He said he had nothing to do with it. Um, I'm done. I'm done with it. I'm moving on. And that was it. Because I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm a homer for this, but I don't believe that the Bucks would go spilling off to Meltzer or Brian Alvarez. And Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer twisting a story. I see. I don't find those two guys to be the type of people to stir the pot. I just don't. I just don't. So do do I think the Young Bucks went to Meltzer and started spreading these Colt Cabana CM Punk rumors? I don't necessarily, but maybe that's me wishing that they didn't do something like that. Now that I'm really looking at it after the Tom Rinaldi interview, there's some layers. There's some layers in there. Sticking up for Colt to one thing. Infusing yourself into a situation between two former best friends might not necessarily be the best thing. I mean, Colt is his own man. He can speak for himself, right? I agree. So why do you need to necessarily... I mean, I I agree. If someone is going to run you down with their mouth, you do need to say something about that. But I wonder if any of this would have really happened Say Colt Cabana wasn't even a part of any of this, right? Would we have even had this? Because it really seems like, according to Hangman, it was about Colt. You know, and obviously he, Punk also went off and made the comment about, you have to be an idiot if you don't take advice from people. You have all these trainers, all these coaches, the Billy Guns and the Dean Malinkos and the Jerry Lins, and he goes, you're not, you're not going to take any advice from anybody. And I think Adam Page tried to clarify his comments about, I don't take advice. But I wonder if this whole thing just became a big kerfluffle about who really said what, who really meant what. And at the end of the day, it was really about a whole lot of nothing. Well, I think a lot of it came down to ego and immaturity and, well, the dick swinging contest. But that's That's the one thing we often hear about, though. Mm -hmm. You know, Punk said, Tony Khan wants me to work with children. Do you think that's because he's so conditioned to working with 
Vince in the way Vince doesn't handle shit that when you go to another company and all of a sudden you're like, what in the hell is going on here? Do you think he's taken back a little bit? Like, the fuck's going on? This is ridiculous. Well, I'm sure he's taken back, but Punk also doesn't help himself either. Like, I, I would also agree. He, he, he didn't not. handle that well at all. So, yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard for him to play the murder on this because he was he was acting like a prick. He has a history of being a prick. So This is true. He, he also said that he apologized to Tony Khan immediately afterwards. And Punk also admitted in the interview that he handled things very poorly. And that he said that he was coming off of a very intense match. There was all this drama going on. I also got injured pretty bad in the match. And I was just really pissed off and really tired. And I'm getting older. And he said all three things in the press. I'm not trying to say he's really, he's a good wordsman because he is. Because, I mean, before I was, forget this guy. I'm just saying I'm open to maybe being a little more accepting of other people's views on this. Because at the end of the day, we have to learn something from it, right? I mean, they're going to have to work together and figure something out because that could be huge box office. Well, it would be huge money-making. But at the same time, if they don't like each other, Mike, you can't make them. No, you can't. I, I, I agree That's going to go poorly. The, the whole match is going to go to shits. I would agree right? with you. Because the guys are not going to be invested or they're going to be bullying one another. And Nope, I'm not doing that because I don't like him. He can go fuck himself. We're going to do it my way. Yeah. You'd have to have a level of professionalism that I don't think you're going to get out of that crew to pull that off. Unfortunately, I mean, here, the funny thing is, Brett and Sean was a hundred times worse than this, a hundred times worse than this, and they end up finally being able to work together. Um, that worked out well for Brett. Man, that's a saga right there. That's an episode all by itself. It is, but but once again. What what are your your big differences? Two professionals, yeah. Yes. Sean was doing Sean things at that point. Brett was no angel. No. Right. Vince double crossed him. You know, Hebner was in on it to depending on which story you hear. Uh, there was a lot to that too, but at the end of the day, it happened the way. Vince wanted it done because he ran the ship. Yep. And he didn't he didn't let the talent run it. He ran it. Let's um let's get to this card here of of collision. So the acclaimed comes out and they are interviewed by Tony Schiavone. It goes over really, really well. He actually gets a part of the scissoring act. Um, the acclaimed are, are white hot again. And Billy Gunn talked about getting into the trios uh, mix. I don't necessarily think that's a great idea. I don't think they should be winning trios championships at this point. Um, I think you need to do something with house of black, but you need to do something unique with house of black. Um, but no, they're, they're definitely over now. Should they be in the tag team championship category? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, it was funny because you and I talked about this with the acclaimed, they were not liked. You were actually really annoyed by specifically Max Caster, and you were like, oh my God, I can't. I hated him. They drove me nuts. 
And then as time went by, they actually became a little bit more polished. Now, they did get in trouble, obviously, with Tony Khan backstage for some of their raps and whatnot. But then they got into the good graces again and things started. And they actually have become a very cohesive tag team. And I think that they should have had a longer run with tag titles, in my opinion. Uh, Having the guns beat them in the way that it happened and then the guns just to drop the titles to FTR or FTR was going to leave AEW for good. I felt like it was just, they had him, they had him, then they had him. That's a trend that we're having with AEW. They have it, now he has it, now he has it, now he has it, now it's back to this guy. There's no longevity when it comes to this. But anyway, they were out there, great, great segment. Um, You had Tony Storm and Ruby Soho took on Blue, Sky Blue, and Willow Nightingale, who is the um, New Japan Strong Women's Championship holder and they ended up picking up the win uh nightingale and uh blue they beat it has surprised me they beat the um they beat the outcasts especially when you have tony storm as the champion kind of makes you think like hmm sky blue is the chicago person she's definitely getting pushed more you know you have willow nightingale who's definitely a baby face she's super over and is loved but then you gotta think Tony Storm's your world champion. Do you really want your world champion to take an L on the opening night of a show? Like, I don't know about that. Uh, still, it was a good match. It was a really good match. Um, Buddy Matthews took on Andrade, and Andrade, and he tore it down. If you haven't got a chance to see this, or maybe you DVR'd it, you need to rewatch it again. Andrade gets his first win, and I can't tell you how long he beat Buddy Matthews, who is one-third of the trio's champions in AEW. We then moved on to Miro. He was back in action. He looks fan-friggin-tastic, and he uh, demolished his opponent. He looks like he's ready to go ahead and set his sights on whoever is next in his way. We're going to find out more about that, hopefully, this upcoming Wednesday on Dynamite. Um, in a match that has me scratching my head and saying, I don't understand Luchasaurus and Wardlow go at it for the TNT championship and Wardlow lost Luchasaurus is your new TNT champion. It is absolutely ridiculous. Um, if you haven't seen it, a Christian Cage interferes and Luchasaurus is the new champion. I don't know if in the way Luchasaurus won the match, if that's going to end up having them dial it back and having a rematch, but it was a poor move. I mean, I knew it was their first night of a big show. It's debuting. We got to have something memorable happen. You have your main event, which is your memorable thing. Why do you feel the need to you, you just gave it back to Wardlow. You, he just got it back. He had it. He lost it to Hobbs. He won it back. Now I lost it, Luchasaurus. What do we? Do? I mean, th- this belt could be taken away, and I don't think anyone would care. Wardlow needs to ask for his release. This is bad. It's terrible. They have screwed him up. So bad. A guy who was organically over from the beginning. When he was the lackey of Max and Max kept berating him in the build-up and the build-up and the build-up and he finally 
broke mm-hmm. away from Max and they finally had that match and he finally beat Max. And then it was just, it was like a Goldberg esque yeah. um, wave of energy behind him. And then they killed it. And then they tried to bring it back again and they forced it and it didn't work. And then it, it died again. Then they tried to bring it back again. And then finally it kind of started to come back a little bit organically, but now they've killed it again. And I'm not really quite sure what the thought process is on this. I don't think there's a thought process. It's foolish. So I mean, I are love we- Luchasaurus, and you know, I love Christian Cage. Yes. But what what are you going to build? And you're not going to make Christian Cage your champion. You're not going to have it go that route for any extended amount of time because he's not going to be around much longer. No. You know, Luchasaurus. Do you want him being? Your um, face of the championships, a fucking dinosaur. <laughs> My sentiments, exactly. I, I don't, I don't understand. Like, and, and Luchasaurus is fantastic. Just this dinosaur bit's gotta go. Well, the thing that gets me is though, like this whole thing is this continual spinoff of what they did with Jack Perry, right? So they first started off with. They, they break up um, Jack Perry and Luchasaurus because Christian Cage gets involved. Mm-hmm. And then if you remember, uh, Luchasaurus turns on Christian Cage and it looks like um, Lucha, uh, Lucha, um, Luchasaurus and uh, Jack Perry are back together a second time, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, he came out with Jack Perry. They're back together again. But then he turned on him again. And then that led to the match, the last rights match or casket match, whatever you want to call it, burial match. That happened between Jack Perry and Christian Cage. Jack Perry defeats Christian Cage. And then all of a sudden, Luchasaurus, he's gone for a couple of weeks. He comes back, and now he's setting his sights on uh, Wardlow. And it was like, Wardlow should beat him. It should be a competitive match, but Wardlow should still beat him. Mm-hmm. Uh, where's Hobbs in all of this? Dude never got a rematch. It was just, that's it. So anyway, I'm done talking about that because it's just, it's utterly annoying. In your main event, it was Samoa Joe, Jay White, and Juice Robinson, the Bang Bang Club, uh, taking on FTR and CM Punk. Obviously, we all knew how this was going to go. CM Punk and FTR end up winning the match. Uh, CM Punk ended up doing the go to sleep. He did it on Juice Robinson. Very interesting that who was ever going to take a finisher and take a pin was not going to be Joe and was not going to be uh, Switchblade J. White because both of those guys are expected to potentially be people that Punk feuds with. So why would you kill a potential feud by pinning either one of them when he's clearly not going to be doing anything with Juice Robinson? So anyway, that was your show. Um, did you hear Eric Bischoff's comments about the show? No, but I'm sure this is going to make my head hurt. Let's hear it, Mike. No, I don't think it's going to be um, as bad as you think. So let me ask you this question first. Um, what do you think he probably said based upon your experience with him? Oh, I'm going to say it's something that they're probably trying to rip off WCW. If he was around, he'd do it better. Tony Khan's a moron, doesn't know what he's doing. Something to that extent. 
Well, Wrestling Inc. Nick Miller is reporting. This past Saturday, the debut of AEW Collision took place. Many fans expected former WCW executive producer Eric Bischoff to pick apart the show, especially after Bischoff has been an outspoken critic of AEW's television product and CM Punk in particular. Now, that's something we all have in common. He doesn't like CM Punk. On a bonus episode of 83 Weeks, Bischoff shared his thoughts on collision he would say this and i quote i more than enjoyed the show bischoff said regarding collision it completely erased the last 12 months of my opinion of aew i'm going to go into it with a brand new clean slate after that bischoff ran through some of the highlights that he saw i can't overemphasize how impressed i am with kevin kelly and nigel mcginnis bischoff said the retired wrestling executive also said he loves the style of kelly and mcginnis is playing off one another. He said that is something refreshing he hasn't heard in a long time. Bischoff also said that he loved the booking of Collision. Well, so. Was uh, now, what's that? Was he drinking when he said this or what? Hey, he's. I don't know. Polar opposite of what I thought he'd say. Yeah. Because he's been pretty vicious towards AEW lately. Well, he also said this. He goes, who booked this? He says, I don't think Tony Khan did because I've never seen anything out of AEW that can remotely come close to the near perfection that I saw with Collision and its formatting. It's clear that he also enjoyed the show. Bischoff wasn't completely without criticism, though. He did say towards the end, please somebody take a look at the backstage promos because they really hurt the overall product. They demonstrated that they do have the ability. They just need to learn how to do promos a little bit more. Other than that, Bischoff had nothing but positive things to say. Now, the one thing I will say to you really quickly is JR joined them for hour number two. Um, but JR had recently taken a fall at his home and had a very bad black eye and a lot of bruising on his face. Unfortunately, it, aspect, it uh, affected his speech you could tell it sounded like he was if somebody who was sick, you know, you just groggy and you can't really speak very clearly. Uh, that's how Jim Ross sounded. Well, those on social media after the show was over ended up criticizing Jim Ross about the way he sounded. Jim has since said he's going to take some time away from AEW until he can heal up and get better. He deserved fans deserved a better product from him. Well, hopefully it gets better soon. No, I agree. But um, but that is that was collision. I'm I'm excited to find out what's going to be happening um, this coming week. Not necessarily with collision, but with with AEW. God, they have so much going on. Three pay per views, three straight months. How you're going to weave and wind all these stories together? I think last week on Dynamite, the Adam Cole MJF 30 minute draw right when Adam Cole was getting the three count. There was so much praise in that match. Did you get a chance to catch that one? Did. That was a great match. Here's here's the behind the scenes. They said the match was going to go right to the 30-minute mark. Now, technically, is anybody really in the stands or at home clocking it to 30 minutes? You're not. It's a story. It's a movie, right? So you're just supposed to let yourself go. Well, Max... And Adam Cole sat down and mapped everything out. And the three count 
was about to happen at the 29 minute and 57 second mark. They missed their mark by three seconds, but st- like in all actuality, like the real stop. Really? Line, yes, they missed it by three seconds. What's and they said, they said Max would be pissed backstage that he might he could have done something differently that could have gotten him there. But you cannot complain about that. That was a great match. Both of them went out. Uh, you knew this was going to lead up to something else. I had a feeling there would be either a DQ or something would happen because there's it's widely believed that at Wembley you're going to get the rematch between MJF and Adam Cole. And that's where a lot of people believe Adam Cole is going to end up becoming AEW world champion. Um, we talked about this before. Who who could take the belt off of Max? And we talked about who could it be and when, under what scenario. It would have to be somebody who was definitely over with the audience, make it believable, but could continue to carry the torch. I think Adam Cole is a pretty good pick. I agree he would. Um, that's not going to be your main event for Wembley, though. No, that's not going to be the main event. That, but that, it, that'd, be, that'd be not good. Correct. It, but it is going to be uh, the match for the world, the AEW World Championship. I could see that. Yeah. Now, do you think Cole gets it and goes on a run for any extended amount of time? You think there's a short-term answer? I don't want to. What do you think? Oh, a year. Oh, wow. Um, That's a great question. And the reason why I say that's a great question is I'm very confused in some regards to how their booking works in AEW. So is AEW. <laughs> like, I'm wondering what you're going to do because you're not just going to have Max lose to Adam Cole and then that's it. No, there's going to be some follow up to this. I don't know if the feud continues. I don't know if he ends up getting a rematch. I don't really know who MGF would feud with if he did drop the title to Adam Cole. I well, by then Wardlow had the belt back, so he can just walk in and beat Wardlow and take his belt. Oh my god, I love AEW and I want him to succeed terribly, like you do, but. Man, there are days that it, it is a very difficult thing to be an AEW fan. Yes. The, the summit of writing just, I don't, I you can't get it. You, no. You can't explain it to me. Like, I don't think anybody, and I'm not that I'm, I'm no genius, but I'm not stupid either. But it's like, there's nobody I think could sit down and explain it to me to where it makes sense. I don't know. But some stuff they do very well. Some stuff not very well. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I agree 100%. So it's going to be interesting about what's going to be happening with with Dynamite this upcoming week. Um, They're adding another segment to the show. It uh, is going to be an Adam Cole segment that they're adding. So you got to feel like something is going to happen with that. What what interests you the most right now? Like when we talk about AEW in general, what interests you the most about AEW? Like what facet of it? What is there a certain wrestler that you really are, are following, or is there a certain story that you feel like could be told? You're always going to be drawn in by MJF, or I am anyhow, because he's the guy you 
you hate them, you want to see somebody punch them in the mouth, but at the same time, like, kind of like them too. He's got that that appeal. So I like him, and he's fantastic on the mic. Um, I like anything with Ricky Starks, to be honest with you. Yeah. Something I would actually... that doesn't do much for me, honestly, is the Blackpool Combat Club. So, so tell me about that. So what is it about the, the the combat club that you're not really... I think this was the same thing all the time. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm not a big Claudio guy. You know, what, what detracts you from being a Claudio guy? I just get tired of the European uppercut, European uppercut, European uppercut. It's, it's, he's very good. Amazing athlete, it just just doesn't do it for me. You know how we all like. There's some wrestlers that we like or don't like. Like as much as we go on and joke about me and Lake and Otis, I do. I'm 100% the minority there. I know that. It's just Claudio just doesn't interest me, and I think that whole uh, Blackpool Combat Club would just. I just don't care for it, one way or the other. I guess my biggest draw right now would be, yeah, I like the MJF. I like Ricky Starks. Um, probably about it. That's what really draws me in every. But I mean, I just I find AEW Dynamite is every week. It's It's a big indie show, and I don't say that in a bad way, but you know, you know what the matches are going to be kind of indie style matches, versus you're not going to see this in WWE. You're going to see a lot of spots, stuff like that. It's just the style of the show, and I and I like it. I dig it. You know that, but it's just some stuff. The writing makes my brain hurt sometimes, and I can't. Because it makes it hard to get invested. Right. Right. That kind of draws it down. Um, much as it pains me to do a 180, I have turned into an acclaimed fan, as you know. But I just, yeah, my biggest thing would just be the MJF. I guess that's a bit of a cop out answer because it's the biggest story in AEW right now. But I enjoy it. I'm, I'm invested in that for sure. This coming week on Dynamite, they got a full card uh, for the TBS Championship. Crest Detlander is taking on challenger Taya Valkyrie. That should be a great match. The Hardys, Matt and Jeff, are going to be taking on the Gun Club in a tag team match. Adam Cole has a segment. He's going to be speaking on the time limit draw that happened with him in MJF. You have Jeff Jarrett is going to take on Mark Briscoe in paying homage to the uh, I believe it was the Tupelo, Mississippi brawl that happened. They say that they're going to take this brawl to the next level. You're also going to have Orange Cassidy and Katsuri Shibata be taking on Daniel Garcia and Jack Zach Sabre Jr. in a tag match. Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Minoru Suzuki are going to be taking on Action Andretti, Darius Martin, and A.R. Fox. All of that and so much more this week on AEW Dynamite. Um. 
I think the guns are slowly building themselves up to being a really good team. I think this is going to be a great match. And I think this is going to end in one of those handshake matches where the torch gets passed. I really believe that. I believe the Hardys might win, but I definitely think that they're going to extend their hand and get a handshake and they're going to raise the hands of the guns. I absolutely believe that. And I think the guns are going to turn face. Um, Do you think the guns are ever going to be the tag team? Yes, absolutely. They have so much more appeal than FTR in my eyes. FTR is very, very plain and basic. The guns have personality, they have charisma, they have athleticism, they have age on their side as well. They're young. And I just feel like they can do so much more. They're not, when you look at FTR, you're looking at more of 80s ground wrestling, right? You're looking at that type of style. With the guns, you're going to get some wrestling, but you're going to get some high flying. You're also going to get more trash talking. They are more interesting. Think about it from this perspective. What was the one thing that really got the acclaimed over? Was the fact that they could wrestle, but they really could talk too. Well, look at the guns. The guns have the abilities to talk. They can also wrestle. And I think that's uh, eventually going to get them over, and they're going to get back to being the tag team champions. I really, honest to God, believe it. I think the Hardys are going to put them through hell, but I think they're definitely going to pass the torch to them. See, I like FTR more so. Because they are the 80s ground wrestlers. I enjoy that. They're a new version of Brain Busters. No, I think think they are very much like that. I think they would fit in that genre perfectly. And that's why I enjoy them. The concept that they're the best is something I struggle with. I think they're a really good tag team. I think at one point in time they were super over. I don't think they're as over now as they once were because at one point, oh my God, white hot. I'm just, I feel like their style is a little plain for me. And I feel like, I feel like you're really, the the teams that are really going to battle it out for the tag team division is going to be your guns and the acclaimed are definitely going to be going at it. They're going to be rivals in AEW. And I think it's going to be really, really good. I, I agree. That would be fantastic, both those teams. Um, I'm, I don't really understand the appeal of AR Fox. I mean, he was in Ring of Honor. He's a fine wrestler. I don't get into him very much. I love the concept that Action Andretti is getting more TV time. I like uh, Darius Martin. I think he's really good. I don't know why you're bringing in Minoru Suzuki. For Forbidden Door this weekend. Yeah, but I mean, what match is he going to be in? I don't even think there's a match with him announced yet, is there? They haven't announced any matches. They only announced three matches or something. The Sammy Guevara situation, you know, I don't necessarily feel like he's over as a babyface yet. I think they're trying to push him to be a, bi- a big baby face. I don't think he is yet. I don't think that taste of he and Tay Mello are officially out of wrestling fans' mouths right now. So as much as AEW may want to push that, I don't think that's necessarily going to happen. Um, Orange Cassidy and Shibata taken on Daniel Garcia and Zack Sabre Jr. I think what you're going to end up seeing big time is 
you're going to end up seeing Daniel Garcia eventually end up challenging Zack Sabre Jr. for the uh, IWGP TV Championship. I think that's definitely going to be happening. He's supposed um, to be really good. Jack Zach, Jr., isn't he? Very good. I think Zack Sabre Jr., as far as his matches goes, he is... If you were to ask me who the best wrestlers in the world are right now, I would clearly say Kenny... And I mean, and this sounds very cliche, but Will Ospreay. And I think they're really close to being A and A1. I really, really do. I mean, if you've seen any of their, ma- they're going to tear it down in this one. There, It's going to be something that you're not going to be like, whoa. And this isn't going to be Tokyo Egg Dome. Astrodome, super inflatable powerhouse field dome. This is going to be a good one. It's going to be in Toronto. Right. It's not going to, what I'm saying is it's not going to be in one of those those domes in. uh, in So it's going to be like three stars because it's not in the Tokyo Super Arena dome. Okay. See, I was trying to prevent you from saying that. Uh, no, it's it's going to get five. Give it five right now before it even happens. It's going to get five. I'm looking forward to that match. Yes. I agree. Um, Anything else you're thinking of right now? Anything else on your mind when it comes to the world of pro wrestling? Um, give me a second look at my uh, notes. Nothing's really popping out at me. Let's see. What have I sent you lately? Uh, you sent me. Did you send me something about Jake Roberts? Nope. <laughs> Jake Roberts was also in the news. He is uh, asking Tony Khan that he would like to be involved more so on AEW's creative side. He feels like, from a psychology standpoint, he definitely has something that he can offer. That's um, a no-brainer. No, this is true. Oh my this is true. god. You sent me something about Dominic Mysterio. Didn't yeah, you? I did. I sent you something about Becky Lynch to him. Just open it up here. Oh. So you sent me some stuff about Becky. Yeah, so this is some of the snippet I got off of Twitter. WWE are relying on Becky Lynch to carry the Raw Women's Division while the actual champion, Rhea Ripley, has contributed little to nothing to the division itself. Since WrestleMania. Take Becky out and that division would be dead in the water. She's the life of the division right now. That's pretty strong words, no? That is a pretty strong words because from everything that I've read and people I've talked to, they think that Rhea is going to be bigger in years to come than she is right now. Like she is on the ascent. Right, so... I don't know. Like I, I'm not sure. I I agree with people saying that Becky's the only reason it's getting over. That's that's a bit foolish to me. I don't know. Well, once again, it depends on who it's coming from, and Absolutely. B. You have to also look at the fact that do I think Rhea's done a whole hell, a whole hell of a lot? No, because she's not really broken out yet. She's still a part of Judgment Day. I think what she's done with Dominic has been great. Dominic has tremendous amounts of heat on him. Rhea, obviously by association, has a ton of heat on her. 
She's also got the championship. And she's a beast. I mean, I was talking to somebody the other day and I said she might be the second coming of China. Yeah. That's my she's opinion. Fantastic. And the uh, the Domino or, or Dominic Mysterio article I sent you, it just made me laugh. He said, if you clap at the movies, you deserve to be put in the camel clutch. Apparently he was at the movie and people started clapping and pissed him That's- off. That just entertained me. I'm kind of like that. It's pretty funny. Have you ever been to a movie where people have done that after it's over? Yes. That is the dumbest, stupidest thing I've ever seen. Okay. It's not a live performance. No. The performers are not there. You're clapping for who? The guy that runs the, the projector? projector? I don't know. Okay, so you're flying. Mike, I don't know if you fly much or not. When you land, do you clap or no? No. Why? You ever been on a plane to people have done that? Yes. They're a bunch of tool bags. Yeah, I don't get it. To each their own, but I, I don't get it. No, not to each their own. You're you're giving people the, the benefit of the doubt that they should be able to have their opinion on this topic. This is a no opinion topic. That's dumb. <laughs> All right. Clapping. Oh, thanks. We didn't die. Appreciate it. Yeah. As if you had expectations of death potentially occurring. No, you're an idiot. Put your hands down. You hope not. Good grief. So so this leads me to one thing I meant to bring up last week. But yes. got sidetracked right yes. every week. This is a grinds my gears thing. Grind your gears. Share with me, my friend. And it's not even wrestling related. Doesn't have to be. If you go to a store, to the mall, to the supermarket, whatever it is, and you have a cart. And you don't bring the cart back or put it in the cart corral. You're an asshole. Put the cart in the cart or bring it back to the store. Don't be so goddamn lazy. Don't be a scumbag. Put it back. There's nothing that makes me crazier. Because you pull in, oh, parking spot. Nope, some asshole left the cart there because you're too lazy to put it back. That just... Drives me nuts. One day last week, I stopped at the supermarket, and there must have been 40 carts just randomly scattered throughout the parking lot. Like, why are you so lazy? There's four cart corrals here at the supermarket. There was a cart about 20 feet away from the cart corral. How lazy of a person are you? Just drove me bonkers. I just don't get it. Why people got to do that. I'm not disagreeing with you. I, 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 You sound very, very passionate about this topic. It just irritates me. It really, really irritates Because it's just sheer laziness. Plain and simple. Go back over. Put your cart in the cart corral. You know, you hook up that chain again. You get your quarter back. You put the quarter in your pocket. And you're going your merry way. They charge you for a cart? You rent it, kind of. Yeah. You rent it? Well, you get your quarter back. Yeah, so when you go up, you know, you got your handle. There's a little slot there you put a quarter in. When you push the quarter in, they're all hooked, hooked up with a chain. The chain comes out of the front of the handle, and you push the cart along. I'll take a picture and send it to you. Next yeah, I don't, I don't pay for my, my uh, carts. Yeah, you get it back. It's only a quarter, man. It's like a nickel to you guys in the States. True. 
Do you do you feel like when you go to the grocery store that there needs to be traffic lights on the aisles because people are not they don't know the etiquette of pushing a cart down aisles? Yes. That infuriates me as well. That that or the knucklehead that puts their cart right in the middle of the aisle. Yes. And they're looking at stuff and then they walk away and they're 10, 15, 20 feet from the cart. Why? I've gotten so upset with somebody, I've taken something out of their cart that I know that I liked, and I went ahead and bought it. Good for you. Fuck them. I've never done that. That's right. That's how mature I am. Um, did you ever end up watching the uh, the stand-up I told you to watch? No, I have not got around to it. I will get to it, though. We, I was going to say, your, oh. your, your bachelor weekend here, you should be able to... It's Tom Segura. Um, everybody, I am a huge fan of Tom Segura and I'm also a big fan of Sebastian Genikowsko. Um, he's also on Netflix, all of his shows, but you have to watch him. You have to watch him, have your nice, nice little iced tea or a glass of milk or whatever you choose and watch it because those two guys are some of my favorite stand up guys. We'll see how I do with the, the toys throughout the rest of the week. Maybe I'll take a bit of time on the weekend and watch it. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to take some time. Yes. Well, you know, Canada Day is not that far away, Mike. We got a, what do you celebrate on Canada Day? Same as you guys do on the Fourth of July. Your independence. It's just Canada's birthday. You're just you're happy to be Canadian, and happy you're not American. Do Canadians dislike Americans? No. Well, some do, but some Americans just like Canadians too. No, we don't. Care. This is true, but no. it, as as a as a Canadian, you're supposed to love thy neighbor, correct? So are you guys? Yeah, well, we're just not that good at it. But you guys are supposed to be like the land of the land of happiness, right? Canada. Really? You talk to me every Tuesday night, Mike. You really think that's how it works? And you talk to me outside of this. Well, there's no crime. There's no nothing. Everything's good. Everybody's happy. No, it does not. I live in a town that is built on penitentiaries, Mike. That's not There's good. a penitentiary across the road from my office. Two, technically. That's not good. No. So there's crime here. I thought there wasn't a lot of crime. You, sure. I maybe, maybe I, I heard you incorrectly. Well, there's crime here. Because don't they take all your weapons away? No, I have guns. Huh? Well, then what's the? the well, then why does everybody say, "Oh, Canada, you can't have any guns"? Hey, Canada morons. Okay. No, interesting. That's foolishness. Well, when when I go to Canada. I really want to experience the entire Canadian experience. So when it comes to that, so I'm going to have to get some poutine. Is that correct? Poutine. Yep. Poutine. Uh, what else do you, what else is a big thing in Canada that I need to make sure I am either experiencing or eating or drinking or whatever. Good beer. That's, that's okay. an important one for me. Anyhow. Um, okay. What else could we do? There's lots of different, Foods up here you guys don't get. Get a donair. What exactly is the donair again? It's a thin sliced beef on a on a pita. It's pretty good. It's big oh, I can't do that. I don't do pita. Why not? It's wrong with pita. It is not good. 
not the animal PETA people, the food PETA. No, I'm not talking about I'm going to eat an activist. What I'm saying, what I'm saying is a PETA bread because have people do PETA pockets, right? Okay. PETA bread, PETA pockets. I don't do that. You're lost. You got butter tarts? Yeah, hell yeah. I think I got two out in the kitchen right now. They're fantastic. Uh, what about Nanny I own bars? Nanaimo bars? Nanaimo bars? They're fantastic. Um, Ketchup chips? Yeah, what about uh, Torta Erie? What? Yeah. Torta it's a- Erie? It's a it's a it's a pie. Tortier. Well, there you go. Yeah, it's a Quebec thing. It's a Quebec thing. Yeah, it's a meat pie. <sighs> okay, so let's see here. Forty nine best dishes in Canada. I want you to tell me thumbs up, thumbs down, or thumbs in the middle. Poutine. Thumbs up. Okay. That torta torta whatever. Tortier. Thumbs up. Okay, let me continue on. It is next one is butter tarts. Oh, thumbs up, two thumbs up. Butter tarts looks like a it's it's a pot pie, right? No, Michael. It's kind of like um like a miniature pecan pie. Okay, this just happens to be a, a family favorite in Quebec. Our big mast have gotten to one of these a few years ago, and it was like a human child on speed. The sugar went straight to his head and he zipped around the house, destroying everything until he crashed an hour later. And then he slept for the next day. He didn't even get up to try to walk. Jesus. They're good. Um, so let's see. What else do I have? Uh, what about those Nanamio bars? Nanamio bars? Uh, thumbs in the middle. Thumbs in the middle. Okay. They look good. So what are they made out of? It's a chocolate top. That the yellow cream middle and the base is coconut, cocoa powder, sent with some rolled oats in it. Okay. Yeah. Ketchup and all dressed potato chips. Amazing. Two thumbs up. Cheese or peas. Maple syrup. Well, thumbs up. I got two buddies maple. that make their own maple syrup. We'll get you some. Maple bacon cinnamon buns. Not as good as you would expect them to be. Thumb in the think. middle. What about a beaver tail? Thumbs up. What is that exactly? Okay, so a deep fried dough yep. covered in toppings from peanut butter to chocolate to strawberries and cream. They're hot, melty, gooey piles of deliciousness. Yeah, pretty much. That's about it. Beaver tails. What about uh, Montreal smoked meat? Two thumbs up. But you gotta get it in Quebec. Schwartz Deli in Montreal? Right downtown, buddy. Be sure to line up for two hours before you get in. Really? And it's well worth it. Pastrami is usually made with dense fatty beef. It is also common in the United States. It's made from brisket or round beef and turkey. Smoked meat comes much leaner. It's stringier like a brisket. Pastrami is usually brined, while smoked meat is rubbed with a curing salt. 
All right. Interesting. What about uh, Montreal-style bagels? Thumbs in the middle. What the hell's the difference between that and a regular bagel? It just looks like somebody didn't know how to do math and they made the circle wrong. No, they're it's it's quite a quite an event when you go to get bagels in Montreal. Okay. I'm not a big bagel guy, so that's why it's thumbs in the middle. Uh, what about the Caesar cocktail? And it says not a Bloody Mary. No, thumbs down. Gross. Yeah. I once dated a girl named Mary. She was indeed bloody. Um, Timbits and a double-double. Double-double is a coffee with two cream, two sugar. And Timbits are little round donuts. So Timmy Hortons is a big deal where you're at. It is. Tim Horton was a hockey Um, player. Huh? He was a hockey player. Played in the NHL. Oh, I had no idea. What about Great Lakes Perch? Perch is a fish. Correct. Well, I know. I was was telling you. That's okay. (laughs) What about Canadian pea meal bacon? Pea meal bacon? It's good. Thumbs up. Okay. It seems like it's basically ham. Okay. Uh, for everybody, the the favorite of this 1960s television show, you're not going to like to hear this, but flipper pie. <laughs> uh, it's a thumbs down for me. I don't fancy it, but it's a big deal where I'm from. Well, it's a pretty controversial dish in Canada. It's made uh, dominantly on the East Coast in Newfoundland and Labrador. Chefs like Andre Boudinier have said that it is sustainable and healthy source of protein, but others vehemently choose to disagree. It's made with the flippers of harp seals hunted for meat every spring. Mm -hmm. It takes someone who grew up with it to enjoy it. It is a dark meat and it is kind of gamey. It's cooked in a thick sauce with vegetables and has a crust on top and bottom. Yeah, like very strong, very oily. Ugh. What about this? It comes in a can. It is French Canadian yellow spit pe- spit pea split pea soup. Yeah. Well, I don't care for it. Thumbs is a company down. company called Hab Hab Habitant? Yeah, Habitant. What about um, pudding chamour? What's that? Pudding, and it's spelled C-H-O-M-E-U-R. Another one of Quebec's favorite is believed to be created by French factory workers during the Depression. Pouring, chômeur, whatever that is, means unemployed man pudding, is essentially a cake that has hot maple sugar syrup poured over it, and when the cake bakes, the sugar syrup settles to the bottom, creating a sauce, during the Depression, the cake was usually leftover stale bread. Sounds good. Can't say I ever had it. Oh, I'd talk yeah. to Linda about that one. What about ice wine? Amazing. Nice. Nasty hangover. But it's amazing. How about you give me a steamy? A hot dog? A Montreal favorite a steamed hot dog on a soft bun served with traditional toppings of mustard, chopped onion, Fresh coleslaw and plain chopped cabbage, not sauerkraut. No. It never includes ketchup or relish. Yep. 
Two thumbs up, buddy. That's good eating. Oh, wow. So it looks like you can get two of those and some poutine as well. Mm -hmm. uh, hodge, hodgepodge. What's hodgepodge? This comes from Nova Scotia. This, this dish is a stew or a soup of kinds. It's containing fresh vegetables such as small baby potatoes or new potatoes, fresh peas, green beans, wax beans, as well as carrots. The vegetables are cooked in a milk broth that contains butter, pepper, and salt. Commonly, the dish is accompanied by corn, beef from a can. Can't see where we had it. Uh, what about ploys? P L O Y E S. This is a version of a blends. A ploy is a pancake uh, type mix of buckwheat flour, wheat flour, baking powder, and water. It's extremely popular in New Brunswick. It is served with maple syrup or often with chicken frico pie. And sometimes it appears as a crepe as well. I was going to say it's a crepe. Yes. Yeah, thumbs up. It's like a small pancake. What about a chicken fry cot? What in God's name is that? What <laughs> website are you on? I didn't know I'm telling you, I, this is Canada. I don't even know if you're truly Canadian at this point. Originating from the maritime province from the French folks who became something, a fry cot pie is simply a meat stew. Slow cook with potatoes, onions, seasoned vegetables, and served with dumplings inside of a pastry. It usually is used with older chicken that has stopped laying eggs and it is tender. Interesting. Sounds tasty. I'd give it a try. Uh, what about Lundberg pudding? Mm. Lundenberg pudding. Thumbs in the middle. It's all right. It's mainly from Nova Scotia. It's actually a sausage. That's Lunenberg. Rappy pie. That's a Manitoba thing. Yes, Nova Scotia area of okay. PEI. The potatoes are grated and uh, strained, and the liquid then gets cooked with a meat broth, onions, and potato. You guys use the same ingredients just about for every one of these dishes. Yeah. What about a blueberry grunt? Never heard of it. Grunts are a Canadian East Coast type of fruit cobbler, typically cooked over a stove or in an iron skillet or a pan with dough on top in the shape of a dumpling. Supposedly, the dumplings make a grunting noise when they are cooked. That's where they get the name Blueberry Grunt. I try. All right. There's so many other things. I'm just going to have to send you this link. I'm going to send it to you right now because I think you need to take a look at this. When I come to Canada, I want to make sure that I get the full experience. I want some grunt. I want a lot of this other stuff. And you're rocking out the uh, the Moondog Greg Murray shirt. Good for you. Yeah, buddy. Our boy gotta, Moondog. Still got to look out for our boy. That's right. He's doing well on the wrestling circuit. Happy for him. Um, Let's see here. What else? What else? What else? Anything else on your mind? No, that's about it. Just you know, living the dream. Temperatures are climbing up here now. It's about 90 degrees here today or whatever. Nice and sunny. I picked a good time to get my new air conditioner put in. There you go. 
Guys, if you're enjoying this podcast, remember this podcast is absolutely free of charge. We would never dare charge you for something like this. We hope you enjoy <laughs> That's it. For continue sure. listening and continue to tell a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, whoever it may be, if they would enjoy a podcast such as this. We talk about some nonsense. We also talk about some wrestling as well. Feel free to share our link on social media. Once again, we are the Front Row Material Podcast. Once again, we're available anywhere fine podcasts are made available. All right, with that being said, my name is Mike Freeland for Christopher Butt in Canada. We will catch you on the next episode of the Front Row Material brand. Add to your library, then look no further than the Front Row Material brand. Don't miss it. It's the Front Row Material brand brought to you by the MLW Radio Network.